There are over 550 million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every 12 people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other 11? Of all the weapons in the vast Soviet arsenal, nothing was more profitable than Optimat Kalashnikova, model of 1947, more commonly known as the AK-47 or Kalashnikov. It's the world's most popular assault rifle, a weapon all fighters love. An elegantly simple nine-pound amalgamation of forged steel and plywood. It doesn't break, jam, or overheat. It will shoot whether it's covered in mud or filled with sand. It's so easy, even a child can use it, and they do. The Soviets put the gun on a coin. Mozambique put it on their flag. Since the end of the Cold War, the Kalashnikov has become the Russian people's greatest export. After that comes vodka, caviar, and suicidal novelists. One thing's for sure, no one was lining up to buy their cars. This film is a brilliant achievement in motion picture history. Finally, the truth about Hitler's diabolical plans to create a race of superwomen can be told. Werewolf Women of the SS. Welcome to Death Camp 13, home of the Nazis' diabolical plan to create an army of super werewolf soldiers. This project, its failure, will be your demise and the end of Germany, Bowman. You have been chosen. Rejoice! I have found the perfect solution the she devils of Balzac. supply the blood needed to save Hitler's mad dream or will the pride of Germany fall into ruin featuring Udo Kier Sherry Moon Zombie Tom Tolles Sidney Danning Bill Mosley and Nicholas Cage as Fu Manchu. This is my vision! <laughs> Werewolf Women of the SS. Written and directed by Rob Zombie. unfortunate thing about that movie Grindhouse not doing uh, very well at the box office it underperformed as they say it did not meet expectations is it now they're never going to make any of those uh, trailers in the spin-off movies such as werewolf women of the SS but most importantly it means we're never going to see machete yeah, what are you do? I guess life is full of uh, reversals isn't it it is uh, six minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of November in the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into amusement and whimsy. It is uh, 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503 
If you would like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, musings, what have ye? Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and sporting a pair of red underwear. And to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, it is Friday. Welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. All right. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Uh, we're going to talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. Now, this is like one of those, uh, it's like one of those This Is Your Life or TV's bloopers and practical jokes things where Jim Roop, Jim Roop thinks he's coming on to talk about wildfires. I guess we'll ask him a few things about wildfires, you know, so we can sort of play nice. Really, it's about water-free urinals. Because we had that news story the other day about, I guess they're rolling out some kind of urinal in L.A. Doesn't have any water or anything. And so yesterday we had him on, and I couldn't figure out what it was I was I, I meant to ask him about until afterward. And I just heard it on the uh, on the recap hour. So, all right, we're going to bring him on. Then we're really going to ask him about toilets with no water, just because I find it fascinating. You find it fascinating so much the better, but it's really because I just want to know how that works. Uh, let's see. From the National Enquirer, this hour we will talk to C, uh, CNN. We'll talk to National Enquirer uh, correspondent Dorothy Carcassari. Uh, let's see, what else? Aaron Duran will join us, and of course, in studio later on today in the 2 o'clock hour, Roger Klein. Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will uh, be here performing live in studio later on in today's program. On the news front, <clears throat> we have a uh, geek watch coming up today. Uh, I hold here in my hand a monkey watch. Uh, we'll get to that. Let's see what else. Well, a whole bunch of other uh, shenanigans. Is that and... the Missoula monkey? I want to make sure that we don't have the Missoula monkey. Different monkey watches. The Missoula monkey sounds like some sort of hick carnival ride. <laughs> Step right up. You go for a ride on the Missoula monkey. Uh, where is Missoula? Montana. Well, this says Billings. Are we That's talking? Montana. Is this the Carbon County monkey you're speaking of? Let me look. All right. Monkey, monkey, monkey. Where's Does yours contain the phrase, they put the clamps on a chomping chimp? No, I think my well, this is differently. This really is a writer who fancies Clamps. themselves a real Noel coward. Clamps on a chomping chimp. That's it the greatest says, phrase I've ever heard. Dayline Billings. In Carbon County, they put the clamps on a chomping chimp. Oh, you know what? It must be my monkey story is missing. All right. Well, I've got it over here. Okay. So, all right. So there you go. Monkey Watch coming up today. Geek Watch and uh, and more. It is 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at... RickEmerson.com, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, hot on the heels of yesterday's Mr. T infomercial playback. And I just heard part of it again today. Just as good today. Man, just like that. What was that other? Well, the thing about us having the, uh, the blue underwear, and then about 40 minutes ago, the thing about that idiot clan woman ending your life in a ditch on fire with some guy digging a bullet out of your head. That was just the best story we've ever had. I could hear that story once an hour for the rest of my years. Anyway, um, oh, so uh, yesterday we had the Mr. T infomercial, which pushed us uh, just the slightest bit over time. So we were not able to play this song that Chris Paddock brought to my attention. Didn't you say there were like two of them? Well, there's actually, there no, it's now blossomed. There was this point, what is today, Friday? So there was this point on Wednesday afternoon when Chris Paddock had a song playing in his office. And, pardon me. <laughs> it's a good thing with this cough button on, no one can hear me. <laughs> uh, so I was in Paddock's office and he was playing a song. 
And I said, what is this? And he said, well, it's so-and-so. And the name of the song is blah, blah, blah. And I said, hmm. And then I had all these observations about the song. About five minutes later, yet another song. Because, you know, he's, a, he's the PD. The, he's the, uh, the operations manager and program director uh, at KUFO. And so, of course, he just gets sent all of this stuff from the record companies. Record companies and labels and A&R guys and reps. I don't even know if they have record reps anymore. Um, but they come by and they just, you know, he's just laden down with CDs every every week. Do they have reps anymore? You know, I don't really know the I think they must. They used to bring along those long-legged ladies. Yes, and bags of cocaine. Uh, I mean, cocaine. Can I just tell you... You see, Columbia Records is owned by CBS, is it not? Yes, it is. Then I'll just say this: I used I used to know a Columbia Records rep. He looked like Robin Williams impersonating uh, Gabe Kaplan. It was as though you had taken Robin Williams and put him in some sort of Welcome Back Cotter sketch, and he was just always so. I mean, for reasons that I was never able to discern, he was always really jittery and sweaty and twitchy and constantly uh, sort of clawing at himself. And he would be doing things like, I really need an ad. I mean, if you could just, uh, if you make it a power, I can probably uh, get you a trip to Hawaii to give away. Uh, do you want a Bob Seeker catalog to give away? How about a CD player? Yeah. You know, give me 14 this week. Your GM will never see the list. <laughs> exactly. How about, I'll take a paper ad. I'm sorry. That's what we've become inside baseball, Tim. Anyway, so Paddock, because he is the PD over KUFO, just gets all this stuff sent to him. And so... Anyway, I walk by the office. He's playing the song. I go in and I say, hey, what's this? And we have this talk about the song. About ten minutes later, some other song is coming out of a stereo. And I go in and we start talking about that one, too. It has now blossomed to, I believe, six different songs that he's given me. I'm clearly not going to get to all of them today. I'm probably not going to get to more than one today. But we're going to try to get to one, and we're going to try to get to it before we take this first break. How's that for ambition? So we're going to try to get to that before the bottom of the hour here. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. A dead bloody body is found near a dumpster outside of Southeast Portland Church. A Portland nude bicyclist is off the hook for now. Democrats continue to push the Bushies for a bailout for the big three automakers. The Republicans say no way. Hillary won't comment on hot rumors that Obama will offer her the Secretary of State job. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely a hick watch. A northern Idaho man offers a free public hanging of Barack Obama. It's untrue that Sarah Palin will be the guest star on Desperate Housewives. Happy news, anyone? Happy news? Yes, please. The Pioneer Square Christmas tree, or as they prefer to call a holiday tree, it's a Christmas tree, arrives this afternoon, but the lights won't be turned on until after Thanksgiving. Foreclosure rates double in the Portland metro area. It's a buyer's paradise. A top designer is convicted of raping aspiring models. 100 beautiful homes burned so far in Montecito. Nebraska parents rushed to ditch their unwanted teens just before the laws change make it more difficult to do so. Too fat for jail. A 430-pound inmate is granted parole due to his girth. I love the word girth. I too, wanted to use that. Too fat for jail. Too fast to live. Machete. Uh, joined, as always, uh, today by the lovely and talented Sarah Stone. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Why, it seems like I just saw you uh, about 11 hours ago. Yes, thank you for giving me a ride. So, I appreciate it. Uh, Tim, you were not able to go. You look very nice, by the way. My, thank you. I dig that tie. Do you? Yeah. Well, they, they're oh, that's a power tie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what brand of tie is that, if I may ask? It is a... Campia Moda. It's Italian. All right. Campia Moda makes the ties. Ties make the clothes. And the clothes make the man. 
Um, so you were not able to go to this last night. But, uh, I was not. I'm going to see it over the weekend, though. Last night we went to uh, the uh, AM 970 Portland premiere of James Bond's Quantum of Solace. Uh, so Richie was there. Richie, by the way, who was in Tualatin doing, or Tannisborn or some damn place, doing something or other. He sped his way down the highway, and he was there in time. By the way, we want to give a shouts out or shout-outs or whatever to Mike and his uh, lovely wife, Mary, because oh. uh, we were giving away tickets to this uh, all week, and they were, of course, the, they won... Uh, you know, they won the, so the, the plum seats right in what I call the Ebert seats, right in the middle of the theater. Uh, and they sat with us, and we kind of watched the movie with those uh, with those guys. So Mike and Mary, hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming Hello. out. Because Ebert, I shouldn't give this away, Ebert has this whole thing about how the best seat in the theater is, and he, he had some scientific formula by which he deduced this. The best seats in the theater, according to Roger Ebert, are in the middle, twice as far back as the screen is wide. So you, you kind of estimate how wide the screen is. You go twice as far back, right in the middle. And that is where it fills your field of vision, but not so much you get, like, vertigo or weirdness. So, anyway, so we were in the Ebert seats. That movie was insane mm. last night. It was very it was very frenetic, put it that way. It almost made me feel like I was having some kind of seizure at the beginning. <laughs> Just with all of the... All the stunts and the, all the action, the nonstop action. Um, and so it was, I would say this. I mean, I think Aaron Duran, we're going to talk to i got to figure out what time he's coming in today because it's a very busy show. we got Roger Klein who's going to be in the studio. That's kind of a, uh, that's been the big tentpole thing today. Um, so we went to see the James Bond film last night. First of all, it is true. There was a line there at 1.50 in the afternoon. Wow. Didn't even know. It starts at 7, 2 o'clock. People were lining up. I got there at like 6.30 um, for reasons that we'll get to in a moment. And then... But there was still a line all the way down the building. I don't think everybody got in. Anyway, so Sarah calls me last night, and she's like, I left my lights out of my car. I need a ride. <laughs> my car was totally dead. I got in. I'm like, all right, it's you know 610. I'm going to get there a little early. Yeah. I'm doing awesome. I turned my key. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> So uh, so I stopped by and picked up Sarah, and then we uh, and then we went to the uh, you know we did the, the, made awkward small talk all the way to the theater, and then we it, really no awkward small well the, what we're talking about this kind of awkward does she remember yes okay anyway um <laughs> why can't I hear about it Sarah no <laughs> no I'm just I'm I'm just kidding I'm just only we were just having the discussion of sometimes you ask questions that you don't necessarily. Desire the answer to. Sarah and I were discussing, not in relationship to each other, obviously. Uh, Sarah and I were discussing uh, love and life, and uh, sometimes uh, the and, and sometimes the inability to discern what you should ask and how, and what you should answer and how. To whom? And you know, I see how he's being difficult. <laughs> anyway, no, no, no. I, so anyway, so Sarah and I go to the theater. I feel like an outsider because nah, I don't know. No, it's fine. I, I, should, I shouldn't have even said it. It's just right, the, uh, never mind. Well, I'll move on. Anyway, at the break, Tim Riley. It's, it really, it really is nothing. It's nothing big. But um, so we get to the theater. We it's meet him bigger. But listen, we go in and so we see. And first of all, can I say they screwed us out of uh, the Star Trek trailer? The trailer. That's what I think Aaron's probably going to talk about for twenty minutes. Dude. He was so pissed. So there's Paddock and I yesterday, and I, again, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I would say a larger than average Star Trek fan, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like a huge Star Trek fanatic, but I'm, you know, I'm into it. And it's a, certainly a big part of the popular culture. So we go in. Of course, the theater is just packed. So we go in. We set down our stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm like, hey, you know, do you want to, Sarah, do you want to drink? I'm going to go to the lobby. And so I, you know, I go out to the lobby to get myself a treat. <laughs> and so I, Paddock and I are standing in line. And can I just say, by the way, now, of course, Paddock, that served you? Paddock and I, well, we'll get to that, too. Paddock and I, you know, obviously both happily married to each other. And we're standing there, and there are these two, like, scorchingly hot girls in front of us. 
And, I mean, just, just really, and I do believe they were of age, but these very, very attractive young ladies in front of us. And, of course, Haddock and I don't really realize this until we're just, like, hip deep into a conversation about Harry Potter, I think. Because we're talking about one of the ads that's playing on the flat screen above the concession stand. And I said, hey, look at that ad for the, uh, look look at that Jujubes ad or whatever. They're using the Harry Potter font. And the Paddock says, yeah, they're playing a CGI Quidditch game. Look at that. And so they were commenting about a CGI Quidditch game that is this sort of computer-generated version of a Harry Potter scene using the Harry Potter font. And then that turns into a discussion of the Goonies. And then it turns into a discussion of the octopus scene in the Goonies. Then that turns into a discussion of, hey, have you read the novelization of the Goonies movies? Why, yes, that's where I first read about the octopus. I have, too. I own that book. Yeah, which is where the octopus was. That is where the octopus, and I was obsessed with the octopus when I was younger, because in the middle of the book, there are, like, those picture pages, right. and there's one of the octopus, and, and that's, I think, where my fear of octopi began. And we were talking about scenes that are in books or trailers that don't make it into the movie. Now, see, you're into that. You find that discussion great. Paddock and I didn't realize how silly it sounded until we were talking, and then these two hot girls turn around, and they look at us, and they go, <laughs> and then they turn back around. <laughs> Gold. So, um, but anyway, so we're standing in line. You know, we're waiting for the guy to give us our tankard of soda or whatever it is we were uh, ordering. Yeah, guess by, by the way, I hate to call him out by name, but there's no way to tell the story without doing it. You know who was waiting on us, Tim? Who? Concession stand guy, I swear to God, his name, John Hamm. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, the guy who plays Don Draper, John Hamm, this obviously not him. And we're almost treating him like a celebrity. Like, oh, my God, that's John Hamm. John Hamm. <laughs> and, of course, I said, hey, have you ever heard of Mad Men? He goes, yes, thousands of times. Shut up. <laughs> um, so, Panic and I are looking at our watchers going, God, we don't want to miss the Star Trek trailer. And so, we, we you know, John Hamm, the, the guy who's helping us, we say, Hey, uh, have we missed the Star Trek trailer? And he goes, nope, I'm the projectionist. And we're like, okay, we're in, because he's serving us. You know, he's like, he can't start it. He's John Hamm is a man of many talents. Getting us our popcorn. And so then, you know, we're standing in line. And then finally he goes, okay, got to go start the trailers. And he walks off. And Paddock and I are like, no, you, we're still in line. We want to see the Star Trek. You can't start it now. And Paddock and I, like tiny, like like children, like small girls, Paddock and I start pleading with the guy at the concession stand not to go start the trailers because we don't want to miss the Star Trek trailer. And the guy, John Hamm, turns and he looks at him and he goes, what can you do? And he just walks off. So then suddenly there's Paddock and I. Hey, I'm not even waiting for my change. The guy's, you know, $23. I'm like, 25 keep it. And, uh, you know, the running into the theater, trying not to burn myself with my hot coffee, go in and sit down, watch other, and, of course, then they don't even play the goddamn trailer. There was no Star Trek trailer last night. How Nobody... did John Hamm do that to you? Well, and here's the thing. It's all, I mean, it's a known fact that the trailer for the Star Trek film is playing in front of Quantum of Solace everywhere. So Aaron Duran has a theory, just a theory, that they did this sort of fight club thing where there's some projectionist who just snipped it off the reel and took it home. I'm not saying that happened. That's Aaron's theory, though. Because projectionists have been known to do things like that. So, anyway. Not a projectionist like John Hamm. No, of course not. John Hamm would never do such Weasel. a thing. Um, anyway, so then we saw Quantum of Solace, which I think Aaron's going to talk more about it later. I'll say this, a couple things. Judy Dench, you always forget how great she is until you see, until you see her act. Because, you know, she's on TV a lot, just being interviewed and stuff. She's really fantastic. Um, other thoughts about Quantum of Solace. People keep asking me what I think of Daniel Craig as Bond, and it's almost, you got to judge him almost separately. It. It's like comparing Cesar Romero's Joker to Heath Ledger. Richie says he's always mad. 
Well, he's very brooding. I mean, he's very, he's he looks broken. I think there's something wrong with him. Mm. I mean, or he, maybe he's just that good of an actor. Maybe. I mean, because it, it, again, to compare, like Heath Ledger and like the early Jokers, it's not that one is better; they're just different. And you know, like Sean Connery and Roger Moore, their bond, you know, they're basically like Hugh Hefner with a handgun. I mean, that's kind of their thing. It's very all when 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 Connery and Roger Moore are James Bond. And Pierce Brosnan, it's just this side of parody. I mean, it's just this side of ridiculous. With Daniel Craig, I mean, it's it's a serious, dark, very sort of noirish kind of role. So I will also say this: here's the, the the one thing you come away with watching that new James Bond film is how big of an impact the Bourne Identity had. The Bourne Identity and of course the sequels have really upped the stakes for everything because that Bond film looks a lot like a Bourne film. So. Anyway, Aaron will probably have uh, more on that. Let's see what else. Well, that's pretty much it. I got a great Tim Riley story to tell you, and you don't even know about it, Tim. Somebody told me that. I was wondering what it could be. Was it Dave Zinn? He alluded. He to knows it. the story. He was there. He was there when the story was told. It's nothing bad. It won't embarrass you. Uh, uh, but it, I can't it's, be embarrassed. Is that a challenge? <laughs> no, no, um, no. <laughs> um, no, it's a great story. It is. You will appreciate this story. Somebody told me this yesterday, and I said that's fantastic. I'm sure, it's heartwarming. I actually wrote it down. It actually, I just wrote a big, le- a big uh, uh, on a post-it note. Tim's story. So we'll get to that uh, in a second. I, I will say. Um, well, that's it. We'll, we'll get some other stuff here in a moment. Anyway, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll try to get this song here before we break at the bottom. We'll get your calls also. Um, so, I won't use the listener's name because she might be a little, I don't know, she might be embarrassed or whatever. I might make her feel We can change the sex of the person. Let's call her... Rufus. Myron. Okay, Myron. Rufus. <laughs> so, listener Rufus. So, uh, there's a wo- woman named Rufus who comes by the office yesterday uh, because she was going through some of her computer files at home and she found uh, an archive. She found a home recording of our very first day back uh, on CBS, back in 2006. No. So, and I don't even have a copy of that. And she actually found it. And she uh, had mentioned, she's like, do you want me to drop it off? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. I don't have a copy of that. So Rufus comes by the office yesterday afternoon to drop off uh, just this recording she has of our first day back here. She and I are talking. And she, like many people, has spread the word of this show to places, as my mother would say, hither and yon. So she knows a couple who live in Seattle, a man and a woman who live in Seattle. They listen to the show online, or I guess, or I guess the wife does anyway. And the husband is certainly aware of the show, you know, because the wife listens to it, puts it on podcast, and you know all of that stuff. Um, so uh, anyway, long story short, apparently the female half of this couple, again, these are these are it's a couple who lives in Seattle. They listen online. I guess the wife is a bigger listener than the than the guy, because the husband kind of listens. But the wife is really, really a big fan of ours. Listen, in Seattle. I guess that the woman, the wife, is absolutely uh, in love with you, Tim, and has just like some, just absolute off the charts crush on you. Oh my gosh! And so, no, no, but it gets better. It gets so much better. So the woman of just, just uh, as they say, uh, not that I don't appreciate it. No, apparently the woman is just, uh, you're like the toppermost of the poppermost with her. You're like, you're as good as it gets uh, in the field of guys. Wow. So. So the woman constantly talks about you. The woman apparently is always going on about Tim said the funniest thing today, and Tim said this, and I wonder what Tim thinks of whatever. Okay, here's the hilarious resolution of this. So this is the this listener in Seattle always going on about Tim on who she has a crush. Apparently the husband 
doesn't quite listen often enough to really know all of our names, so he doesn't really put it together. The husband calls this friend of theirs who lives in Portland. This is the story I heard yesterday. The husband calls the friend, Rufus, and says, Hey, look, it's, uh, yes, yeah, John in Seattle. Look, um, all right, I, look, I, I know that you and, uh, I know that you and Cindy are friends, but you gotta tell me, who's, who's Tim? Who's this Tim guy that she's, uh, that she has a crush on? And, and the listener goes, you know, Tim from the radio. Look, don't screw with me. I mean, this is, uh, this is really my relationship we're talking about here. Who's this Tim guy? Is he, is he somebody from her work? Is he somebody from, uh, does she know him from church? I mean, look, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go over and cause a problem with him, but I need to know. Tell me how serious it is with Tim. So, so the woman talks about you so much and assumes that the husband knows who you are. Uh-huh. The husband has just heard your name being brought up a lot and thinks you're some guy she works with that she's like, uh, that she wants to, uh, to bed. So there you go, Tim. You're the cause of marital strife without even trying. Well, that was a story worth waiting for. Wasn't that a great story? That was a Dave's in story. All right. Do we have to break here? Did you want to play that song? Well, um, you were bragging about how you were going to get done before. All right, well, let's play the song. We've got to start hammering these things out because the show's going to get behind us really quickly. All right, thank you. Uh, And I I mean that sincerely. That could not be allowed to happen. No, it cannot. Um, All right, so uh, Richie Bristol, you know the songs we're talking about? You know what what folder uh, Panic put those in? And I'm going to get this one call while we're waiting. Uh, if you'd let me know what folder those songs are. He told me, and then I kind of forgot about it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, this is Mike. Hey. Oh, is this Mike from last night? Uh, no, it's not. It's another Mike. No, a different Mike. Hello, sir. How yeah, are you? Yeah, Mike. I was wondering, did you announce who the Glorious Bastard was yesterday? Uh, no. Now, uh, two things. A, I forgot to announce who the Glorious Bastard was. And, of course, the prize there was, um, you know, it was some, uh, some uh, Quantum of Solace tickets. The good news is, though... Because I didn't, nobody missed out on anything. Because Bridget, I talked to her, I'm like, I forgot to announce the glorious badge. She's like, I know, I just emailed them directly. She's like, I knew you forgot, so I just told them. So if you did not hear the glorious bastard of the week, doesn't matter. It probably wasn't you, because if it was you, you would have gotten an email about it. Oh, all right. All right. Thank you anyway. All right, thank you. Okay, here we go. I've got the song. Oh, guess I'll do that. Okay, so who's familiar with a little rock band called Nickelback? Anyone heard of them before? All right, so. This is Nickelback. Well, Sarah, you've come to the right place. This is a new song by Nickelback. I don't even know if I should tell you the name. And keep in mind, this is not Maybe a joke. You shouldn't tell us. It's not a joke. This is the new song that they have serviced the radio station with. Okay. KUFO received this. This is the new single from Nickelback. Uh, I will go ahead and play this now. Do you want to know the name of the song? Should I, whatever you think I should. I, again, I cannot state enough how much of a joke this song isn't. This is a real song that they have given to the radio station. The name of this Nickelback song is Something in Your Mouth. You want to drop the mono bed? We'll play oh, a little yes. bit of that. Oh, yes. Are we going to play uh, um, into the break? Uh, well, we'll play as much of it as we can here because it's just, you know what, every time you think it can't get greater, it does. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I give you the power and glory of rock and roll. This is the new Nickelback single, and I'm not making this up, called Something in Your Mouth. <laughs> Clearly meant to be played at strip clubs, by the way. Come on. Oh, yeah. 
I don't even think we're to the hook yet. Sucking on your thumb. Sucking on her thumb, so. Come on. Her skin smells, skin smells better than the scent of every flower in the desert, Sarah. This is... We'll go to the hook once more and then we'll break here. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Nickelback. Let's take a break, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. All right. There you go. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Rick Emerson Radio. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hey. Please I'm gonna, do me a favor. Don't ever play that song again. I'm going to answer all the phone calls today with, come on. Oh, my God. And that was horrible. You know, it does, uh, Paddock and I were talking, he believes that is the, uh, he believes that is the warrant cherry pie of the 21st century. I think we, that's what we're doing. We're only eight years into this or seven, I never know how that goes, uh, into this uh, decade, millennium, whatever, and we've already got, we've already got, you know, our, uh, we've already got our cherry pie. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, one more thing. Can yeah. you tell Tim, stay the hell away from my wife? Done and done, sir. All right. Consider it done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. How Hello. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't play that again. <laughs> See, like that, the first thing out of everybody's mouth is is a plea that it never uh, that it. We were just talking to uh, the Crystal Cash from uh, KUFO, and KUFO had gotten this Nickelback song. She listened to it, and then of course you know I and I talked to Paddock about it. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play that. It's fantastic. So she actually listened to it, had to dub it, I think, onto a mini disc, had to dub it then into Cool Edit or Adobe Audition, which is this uh, audio editing software, and then had to dub it into the system. So she actually had to hear it like five times in a row just so we could get it into the system to play it here. 
And then she was talking uh, to her roommate about it, and apparently her roommate knows the song because she'd gone to some bar to play pool, and as she put it, some, like, some, like, douche-looking tool users were over at the jukebox playing it repeatedly. So it has already found its target demographic. Did you like the song? Um, that's not a thing I would have playing in my house. Let's put it that way. I will say this. Uh, you know, th there is always a need for new music uh, to which girls can take off their clothes. And so uh, I believe that fills, uh, that fills that need nicely. That's, uh, that, you can find better songs than that to, you know, have a girl take off her clothes. I suppose. Well, let's be honest. Strippers what always have the worst taste in music. To that song either? Yeah, I think the, she, I think the answer is in your question. She would probably start laughing at you if you play that song for her. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting thing about this Nickelback song is it does have exactly the same beat as Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. That's the first thing I noticed yesterday. So, and by the way, let's, I, I don't want to pretend to be cooler than I am. Let's have no illusions about the fact that I got all kinds of embarrassing sexist music in my collection. I, uh, for some reason, there's just this, there's just this thin candy coating of sleaze on this Nickelback song that I just can't get past. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Come on. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the radio show from Los Angeles, CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Hey. How you doing, brother? Man, you don't sound real good. No, no, no. I'm okay. It's a, you know, it's a, I was a, a little under the weather last week. And, um, and I, I think I'm getting your throat thing now. Yeah, it's kind of a throat thing in the building. Some people upstairs have it. And um, so I had just a little bit of a throat ailment, you know, a little raspiness. And then, but the problem is that it, I got the raspy throat on election day morning. And obviously, we were you know, doing on the show all day. And then we had our live election night party, which means that I'm sort of screaming for about five hours to be heard among, you know, above the din of about 500 Obama supporters who were just, you know, obviously very loud and drunk as the night went on. And so my kind of minor throat uh, uh, graveliness just turned into a full-blown losing my voice by Thursday. And I'm no longer sick, but of course one of the it's like uh, it's like trying to fix a car while you're in fact driving down the highway. So now because I'm talking for four hours every day, while I am no longer sick, it's taking me exponentially longer to get my voice back to 100% because I'm using it every day. So I'm actually fine. It's just uh, just taking a little bit longer to get back to my usual perfection, Jim. Wow. Okay. Good luck with that. Okay, fantastic. Uh, <coughs> sorry. It's perfect no matter what. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so, so two things, one of which uh, is on the sort of sheet to talk about today, and the other is, is a follow-up to something we had the other day. First off, I know that there's been, you know, you know we, we were talking about this with the, the gay marriage ban in California, that it's, I mean, I think we are one or two steps away from things kind of turning uh, really ugly down there because it does seem like, it does seem like tempers are running very, very hot. I mean, more so than even normally. It's already gotten ugly. And so what is the, I mean, where, where are we at now? What is the latest? I know some of the lawmakers have come out and just, and already kind of thrown their weight, you know, sort of behind, you know, the, the reinstating gay marriage. Well, it's kind of weird because, uh, you know, I, I find it odd that the county board of supervisors or the city attorneys of both San Francisco and Los Angeles would come out this way because technically what they're saying is, and, and it's, it's, I can't believe city leaders would do this, I, you know, that, what the voters say doesn't matter. And if the voters came out in record numbers, right. they let their voices heard, and then city leaders come out, encourage county and city leaders come out, and encourage uh, or, or get involved in a lawsuit against something the voters wanted, you know, 
I, I don't get that. It, it, they they should they should abide by what it is the voters who put them in office say. So you feel like the uh, the, the folks who are the sort of political leaders of the city ought to be playing moderator. As opposed to taking a side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They should say the, the voters have spoken. Right. I mean, because all of this crap should have been going on before the election. Right. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I, I don't begrudge anybody whatever love they want, you know, but I'm getting real tired of it. Where was all of this protest and rallies and this other junk? Where was this? Before the election, I think there was it's probably the fact now. I think there was probably a feeling that it wasn't that it wasn't going to wasn't going to pass. Oh, you're absolutely right. That's exactly yeah. it. Because both sides raised about the same amount of money. Right. It's just that those in support of the proposition that was against gay marriage were a little more. They used their money. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the other folks were doing. Well, and I would say, you know, I saw uh, John King actually. I can't even take credit for this. John King on CNN made an observation. He said. Uh, and I'm, uh, paraphrasing, I'll mangle a little bit. John King said that you know, one of the one of the sort of ironies of this was that no no uh, ethnic group voted more strongly in favor of banning gay marriage than the black community. And of course, you know, it is also sort of a, a given at this point that having a black presidential candidate but uh, drove up the number, uh, you know, drove up the turnout. And so it drives up the turnout, and sort of it, it then ends up being kind of a one step forward, one back, one step back kind of a thing, because a lot of it, John King was speculating that the increased black turnout in California did in fact contribute to the to the passing of Prop 8, um, and so it was all sort of inextricably woven together. But I do think that yeah, there was this feeling beforehand that wasn't going to happen. My thing about the protests is, I mean, first of all, just strictly politically speaking, just in terms of achieving your ends. A lot of the very sort of fringe protests that are going on, you know, on either side, whatever, are not doing anybody any good uh, in terms of PR and public perception and all of that. And plus, it just seems to be a given that it's going to end up at the Supreme Court anyway. You know, that is a uh, that is a fait accompli, as they say, that it's going to end up before the U.S. Supreme Court. There's just a reason why it was put on the ballot as a constitutional amendment was so that the Supreme Court couldn't touch it. Right. So it's really weird. And if. This this uh, decision on whether this thing is valid or not should have been done before it was allowed to reach the ballot in the first place. Well, that was my question: is is why didn't anybody? It does seem like there there was a little bit of it. You could do a preemptive uh, due diligence or whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, to say like, well, look, we're going to put all the time and money into working on this thing if it's not even going to be legally tenable. Yeah, because you, in fact, I think that's I think that's part of the process. I think there are lawyers involved before something gets on a, on an official ballot, because otherwise people would be voting that everyone gets ice cream at three o'clock in the morning. Well, I certainly would, sir. Uh, I would take the All right. Hey, uh, it, it's it's just you know I'm getting real sick of the whole mess. As we uh, well, because especially in California, I mean it was like, it was all over the news, uh, you know here, and I can't even imagine what it's like uh, there. As we, uh, I have one other thing here before we head into the weekend, so. I can't remember if this is a thing we talked about with you or whether it was something that was in the news and we thought you would be talking about it. This business of uh, putting out like 200,000 water-free urinals in, in, in L.A. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Then you then you you need you need to look into this. It's called a bucket. I That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking it's like a hole with like a lid on top. I don't know who it was. We had some sound bites. Some guy who's like, you know, head of like the urinal committee for... L.A. or whatever, talking about because they want to save water, they're going to start rolling out these water-free urinals in California, specifically in Los Angeles. 
And that led to this whole discussion on the show about, like, well, how do you even have a urinal that doesn't have any water? And is it really just, you're such like a slot with a slat over the top of it? So, um, anyway, so you did a little, little... Maybe there's a vacuum thing involved, like the airline situation. I don't know. See, we had this whole... See, we were thinking it was maybe like the thing they have on, like, the space capsule or whatever, like you're in the International Space Station, where I think it is just like some low-level vacuum that one put... One, you know, you put your uh, region over it, and then it... Uh, Hopefully doesn't pull your intestines into space where they will then circle Pluto forevermore. So, I'm just saying a little story lead. You might want to look into that. It seems like a. It I'm seems like that like, region as opposed to area because regions are much bigger than areas. It seems like it might be something up your alley, so to speak. <laughs> oh man! Bam! All right. Oh! All right. Uh, I kill me. Should Jim I look Roop? into that for you? Please do if you would. I, just because scientifically speaking, I want to know what the deal is with that. I've never heard of that, but I will. We had sound bites about it the other day. Water-free urinals going to be used in California. I'm Googling that as we speak. Right. Get on it, and I have it for you on Monday. <laughs> Thank you. So you're doing the Lord's work, my friend. Uh, you know, I try. Have a good weekend, sir. All right, buddy. All right, there you go. There's uh, Jim Roop. All right. So are we calling Come Dorothy? Come on! Oh, God. What? Stop. Stop. Uh, I don't know. Richie, are we calling Dorothy? Is Dorothy calling us? Do we play the game, or does the game play? Should we play a little bit more of the song since we have a couple Can of we? Come on! Come on! Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the new Nickelback song. Heard it once before, hit the post. You hear that? Come on! You pay her just to touch it? Well, that's oh true. Oh, my God. No, that's just... And I'm picturing this guy's greasy face thing, and he's so icky. No, that's just accuracy in art, so... That guy looks like he's just nail trailer trash. Come on. Come out. You're not coming on, so... I didn't know I was supposed to be coming on. Oh, channeling the bare-naked ladies. I want somebody to call in who is a fan of Nickelback and explain it to us. You want somebody who celebrates their entire catalog? Yes. Wait, here we go. Picture a whole bunch of drunk fat girls in Gresham singing this together Woo! around one karaoke microphone. I gotta go one more come on here and then we'll. Come on! There you go. She's bending as you're spending, Sarah. Uh, well, you know, it is the artist's job simply to paint a picture of uh, of life. You know, <clears throat> yeah. the world is uh, is okay, Chad's canvas. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, and he wanted to talk about Nickelback. All right. uh, maybe he liked Nickelback. Mm -hmm. uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Come on. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tim. Hey, Sarah. Hey, what's up? Uh, there's something in my mouth, and it's starting to taste like vomit. But... <laughs> <laughs> Win. Well done, sir. Rumor has it they are making a machete movie for a theatrical release. Really? It's, it's supposed to come out by the time Sin City 2 comes out. I uh, can't confirm it on IMDb, but there is a Wikipedia page on it, and the uh, theatrical poster for it is really righteous. Now, wait. Now, it, now is the theatrical poster just uh, – I, I don't think they showed that in um, 
in Grindhouse. They just showed the sort of like the, the, the splash thing at the end, the title splash. So where where can the uh, where can this be seen? Where can the is it? Did you say it's on IMDb? Uh, it's not. It's not on IMDb. And there's nothing on like Danny Trejo's page about it, but uh, it's on Wikipedia. Okay, so Wikipedia has what purports to be like the lobby poster for Machete. They got a. They said, I guess, at Comic Con that it's supposed to. They're trying to get it out by the time Sin City Two comes out. I am so. totally. Uh, hold on, totally Wikipediaing it, it right now. From what I, from what I, I remember, I don't know if it's still on the Wikipedia page, but it's supposed to be like a three part series. Here we go, was, Machete film. Oh, dude. I'm looking at that poster right now. That is a total come on poster. That is fantastic. You cannot make that your new catchphrase. Oh, there we go. Now he is a brutal savage who must slaughter to stay alive. All right. Excellent. Thank you for the heads up, sir. I bet you ever. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. It's 503 Did I just hang what up is... on him or not? What? The warm line was just flashing in there. I don't not... know. The warm line, I just, it, it says Dorothy, but then she's not there. Yeah, I just want to know if that's He happening. said she was calling us. Rich, she just typed on the screen. Ah. Oh, it's ringing again. Does she have theme music? Uh, yes, she does, but I'm just going to fill the time by going, come on. All right. Is that the, is that Dorothy Carson? Okay. No, no, sorry about that. It's just a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a cluster of genius. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the National Enquirer, our good friend Dorothy Costaseri. Hello, how are you today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for. Uh, I know we're having. I think we're having some phone issues today. So. <laughs> we were having some, just a little bit. Oh, I think I inadvertently hung up on you just now. I'm sorry. That was totally my. Richie's typing on the screen. That was in fact totally my fault. So that wasn't on purpose. No, no, please. Uh, <laughs> I have perished the thought. Please forgive me. All right. Um, so, uh, new issue eating, uh, the Inquirer is, is actually on his stance now. And of course, the, the big thing everybody must be asking about is this Cindy McCain photo. Yes. So she, this appears to be Cindy McCain, uh, wife of vanquished, uh, presidential contender, John McCain, kissing some guy who does look like he would be a sort of sea level stunt double for one of the guys in Nickelback. I was thinking he was kind of a John Corbett lookalike. I could see that as well, but like if he really let it all grow out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so what is what is the the story? What is the backstory on this photo? Well, the story is that she Cindy McCain was spotted on April first, two thousand six, at the Tempe Music Festival in Arizona, right. and she was spotted kissing this this guy with this um, you know crazy patterned shirt. Now the pictures are. Um, somewhat grainy, but there's a very, very clear picture of her from that same night at that music festival where you can clearly see she has her hair tied back in this black ponytail holder. She has this pink turtleneck on, and then over the pink turtleneck, this pink plaid uh, either shirt or blazer. And so you can see, comparing the clear photo with the photos that are a little bit blurrier, that it is, in fact, Cindy McCain. I mean, yeah, there's no there's no mistake in that ponytail, and I don't mean to sound cruel, but there's no mistaking that kind of too little skin stretched over too much face after too many operations look that she has sort of perfected. <laughs> uh, that is a, that's a look that she really has nailed. So, I mean, has anybody from the McCain camp said, like, well, here's the reason. It's a long-lost uncle. They are not talking. And, 
if you kiss your uncle like that, I'm going to go ahead and say there might be something wrong with you because you have to see these pictures. I mean, it's uh, so uh, I have only, and I have to plead uh, actually guilt on this. You, normally, I go through uh, the checkout line and I pick up the you know, new issue as soon as it's time. I've only seen this this one photo. So in this new issue of the Inquirer, there are there are supplemental photos that go with this. There are three photos Fantastic. of them just making out. Another photo of them hanging out, and then a photo of her from that night, which I said is the is the very clear one. Here's what I'm saying now. Maybe maybe the National Enquirer already has this. It would not surprise me. I, was, I, was, I saw the new James Bond last night, and they got this. Uh, there's this sequence where they use it in this really righteous photo identification software, where he Bond takes this kind of blurry cell phone. Uh, shot at somebody, and then they put it in the database, and it goes through like everybody in the world or whatever, and it, it comes up with the guy. That, that I mean, I, I'm sure you guys are working on something like that right now, so you can just push this guy's picture in, and it tells you like his address or whatever. That'll so. be National Enquirer 2019 or something like that. Um, before we before we wrap it up, and again, I've just been such a busy week; everything's gotten away from me. Uh, what else? Uh, what else do we need to care about in the new issue other than everything? Well, I'm sure that you heard about Britney Spears' son Jaden being right. rushed to the hospital. Yes. Uh, anytime that we hear Brittany in hospital, we're always, uh, our ears are always open. We're always looking to hear yeah, what's next. Um, and we have a new story this week that basically sources have been telling us that Kevin Federline was absolutely outraged by that. And now he's going to war with Brittany and her family over this medical crisis to hospitalize their son. The idea of Kevin Federline, well, first of all, I'm just saying this is just my opinion. It, it is hard for me to imagine Kevin Federline taking enough time to put down the bong in his hand to really even get <laughs> agitated about anything. But the idea of Kevin going to war against Brittany, see, that might make me care about Brittany again because she's been very dull for a long time. Definitely. But, you know, this is something that's happened, and obviously Kevin's first thought is sure. that, you know, she's responsible for it, and she did something that landed him in the hospital. It turned out to be a food allergy, um, but he's saying, you know, I want my lawyers to review all of his medical records. Um, I want to know what really happened. So he has his suspicions. Well, let's be honest, though. I mean, if the odds usually are about 9.9 .9 out of 10 uh, that Brittany is responsible for anything bad happening anywhere in her orbit. So that's a safe bet. Hey, point, she's so. been cleaning up her act lately. I suppose. All right. Much to my dismay. <laughs> all right, Dorothy, have a great weekend. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks a lot, Rick. There you go. Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hi, Tim. Hello. All right, should we take a break? Sure. Were you doing that before I could say, come on? Sounds like you just threw that right <laughs> out there. All right, back after this, Tim Riley coming up later on. Roger Klein in the studio. Uh, Aaron Duran and uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere.
the cherry on the Nickelback Sunday, Sarah. That really was the uh, that was the final brushstroke remaining on this masterpiece. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We're sorry. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A dead, bloody body has been found next to a dumpster... At a southeast Portland church, it's a homicide. The bloody body discovered this morning behind a dumpster outside the Freedom Foursquare Church, southeast 160th near Southeast Start. An employee at a nearby importing business first discovered the body, belonging to a woman believed to be in her early 20s. James St. John, who lives nearby, reports hearing gunshots and screams last night around 12.30 to 1, but it's normal for that area. In happier news, here comes the Christmas tree. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm can I back up for just one moment? James St. John, yeah. who reported hearing gunshots, and, and, I, and I don't know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that that is when he called the police? It doesn't say. Or is this like a, I heard gunshots and screams, but I didn't figure it was none of my concern. And Maybe then, that was somebody's television. That is, that is entirely possible, I suppose. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. It would be... It would be uh, I mean, it would, it would be, I'd be curious to know. I'd be interested to know whether it, you, whether that was something that then he decided to pick up the phone or whether that's a thing he just volunteered when they came by and asked him the next day. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm sorry. Go ahead with your, uh, go ahead with the happier news, Tim. Well, it's time to say Merry Christmas almost. It's having the Christmas tree to come through. I think Portlanders are supposed to call it a holiday. But that's okay. Here's, here's oh, why that's. I'm not going to do it. I'm no, going to call it a Christmas tree. Because, well, Damn because it. it's stupid. And also because I do believe it's inaccurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you're talking about something that we just created last week to celebrate, you know, a holiday mm-hmm. or this type of year. Which it's is not a, like it's Kwanzaa. No, I mean, I guess my... <laughs> that is exactly... That's exactly what I'm saying, Tim. Um, hey, how many days of Kwanzaa are there? I don't know. Is it, Has anybody done like a... On it, the, it's kind of like Hanukkah. Well, I'm sure that ever... <laughs> I'm sure that everybody appreciates us just saying all the holidays are basically interchangeable, but come on. But, I like the ones that give the most presents. <laughs> but, but, come on! That's what I'm saying. Um, we're going to do a whole come on, like, montage. Um, so, I, yeah, so Hanukkah's eight days. Christmas, you know, we get completely gypped on Christmas. Uh, well, you live in Canada or Britain, you get Boxing Day, right? That is right. You totally get Boxing Day. Kwanzaa is like five days, maybe, or seven or something? At least. But, I mean, is there like a, on the third day of Kwanzaa? There is no Kwanzaa sign. No, but, but you see, but there's money waiting out there to be picked up. That's money in the bank, Tim. How about the kids at Whitney High? Oh, 
a whole. Don't you think there ought to be like a Kwanzaa carols mm-hmm. CD, like a kids' pop Kwanzaa carols? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm calling that idea as my own right now. I can go home, get myself Is a guitar. Is there some and... kind of being or a Kwanzaa elf or something <laughs> like that? You might, Kwanzaa elf that you might find at Macy's. <laughs> I'm gonna stop right now before I uh, before I just take us down. The road. We're all gonna regret, and I know you appreciate it all. Uh, anyway, um, I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, the Kwanzaa I, elf. No, I, I was not talking about. Stop it! You're an instigator. Um, I'm an enabler. You really are. We just have the worst, most dysfunctional relationship on the show. You know what we are? We are like some sort of dysfunction. Uh, we are some sort of dysfunction TP that is self-sustaining. You know, isn't that the thing with the TP that they're not actually lashed together? The poles lean against each other in such a way that they all self-support, like an Escher painting. That's what we are. We are just three poles of dysfunction leaning against one another, propping each other up, and enabling one another's terrible, destructive, hateful behavior. And I, for one, am glad to do it. So, I was not talking about a Kwanzaa elf, you awful person. What I was saying, though, here's why the holiday tree thing is stupid. It's not just because it reminds everybody that we are the most oversensitive nation on earth, which we are. It's because if the tree was something we just came up with last year and needed a name for it, then calling it a Christmas tree would be wrong because I'm just coming out of the loop. But correct, but, but but I mean, it is at least in at least in this hemisphere and in recent history, it does trace its lineage to Christmas, does it not? Yes. And spare me. And seriously, if you're busy worshiping a pile of dirt somewhere, spare me the email about Wicca. Just I can already read I can already read forward to the end of your observations. So let's all pretend that you've already made your observations about Mother Earth and Gaia. I'm gonna pretend to care. You'll pretend that I cared about you, then we'll move on. Anyway, it just seems silly. It just seems like one shade too much of uh, of offending no one. So the Christmas tree. We'll wind down Portland downtown streets on a big flatbed truck and be delivered this afternoon at some point. We'll let you know when that happens. That is great. As a special bonus, the Pioneer Tree and other trees in downtown will shine with green lights this year. Green and environmentally friendly, that is. I want several colors, not just green. How can we stop this? What do you mean it's just, what's just green? I, I was distracted. Green, green lights. I was distracted by Susan Reynolds sending me an email about a Hanukkah bush. It actually says... When I was a kid, all the other Jewish kids were trying to convince their parents to get a tree and call it a Hanukkah bush. My parents did not buy into that one bit, she says, and I'm sure they would not buy into Portland's, quote, holiday tree, end quote, theory. Because here's the thing. It's like how we all secretly called him Prince the whole time. Everybody still calls it a Christmas tree, you jackasses. So all the lights on the tree are green? Well, they decided to replace the strings of tiny white lights that are placed on hundreds of downtown trees with LED lights. They are significantly uh, users of less energy. But they're, oh, so, oh, so they're not green in color. They might be. No, they're not telling us. Okay, but no, these are just those weird twisty Al Gore lights. Yeah. So they're still white, they're, though. They're ugly. Are they going to be that weird Fight Club uh, white, though, that, like the ones in my home office are? That's what we need. They consume 80% less energy like anybody cares about consuming less during the holidays. <laughs> really? If you wanted to... Co- Here's how the city can this convince me. This is not to be consuming less of anything. God damn, because that's what we need. Slow the economy even further. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't buy anything or spend any money this holiday season. That'll get the economy roaring again. First of all, I don't care. 
uh, about using energy, wasting energy, destroying the earth. I don't care about any of that. Doesn't Even matter if to you, me. Lose, you you uh, use less, the one excuse is jack up your bill anyway. No, that's the thing. That's the other thing. As though you're going to. This is like the stupid airlines who, even though the, the prices of oil and fuel have dropped, are still hitting me with that stupid surcharge to go to goddamned Orem, uh, Utah, this this December. So the idea that you're going to somehow save money because we're going to put in these these retarded light bulbs, and that therefore, like, the power company is going to go, wow, you've all been very good this holiday season. How would you like an electricity rebate? Ho, ho, ho. Not going that, to happen. We'll pay for your cable. Seriously, no. The, the, you know, the raping will continue forevermore. It always does. Um, and so, but at least they're not going to be these, it sounds like they're not going to be those weird spiral lights. Because I, what I don't need is a holiday that looks like it was designed by John Carmack. That's just, it's a thing I don't wish to celebrate. Also, and again, realize, I don't care about any of this. I could not possibly care less uh, about energy conservation or anything like that. It doesn't matter. It's not going to affect my pocketbook one way or the other. That's so true. It, it's not. So, but here's the, all of this would have a lot more weight, all of the city of Portland and the county and the state. The government screaming at me, because uh, didn't we have the story the other day that they're going to be banning regular light bulbs in like three years or something? Yes, I'm hoarding them now. I Seriously, we ought to get our hoard on like instantly. All of that would carry a lot more weight if the city, and keep in mind, I understand why they do this, because it's pretty, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But all of this insistence by the government that we all have to sacrifice to save uh, electricity carry a lot more weight if the city did not pay what I am imagining to be millions of dollars every year to illuminate every office building downtown from like, oh, I don't know, 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. Every single office building downtown keeps their power on 24 hours a day. Now, I understand you, the skyline looks beautiful. You don't want to lose the skyline. You imagine the Manhattan skyline darkened. It'd be very, uh, you know, it'd be very uh, unpleasant. Tornate. So, I mean, so I'm not saying the skyline ought to be turned off. I think it's great. But, I, but you cannot, on the one hand, be insisting that I have to change my Christmas tree bulbs. And on the other hand, be paying like a billion dollars every year to light up a bunch of buildings who have no one in them all night long. So just get your story straight for the love of Jesus, the baby Jesus in a manger. Who cries at everything you do? All right, here's Tim Riley. Come on, settle me downtown later. All right. The foreclosure rate has doubled in the Portland metro area as compared to the same period a year ago. The latest figures for the month of September revealed a 0.8 percent of loans in the Portland-Vancouver area were in foreclosure. That's double last September's rate of 0.4 percent. The Portland metro area's foreclosure rate is still only about half the national average. Home prices in the three-city area also dropped. The sales price fell 6.24% compared to September 2007, with the current median price of a home at $255,000. Is that it? That is nationwide or here? Here, here, here. So the average home in Portland, the mean cost, the median, $255,000. Mm-hmm. That's actually less than I would have expected. Much less. Yeah. Yeah, right. so there's some real bargains out there. And some of those McMansions... Are available at like a fraction of the price because they've all gone into foreclosure. Hey, here's a foreclosure. I barely knew her. Now here's a uh, a question. Are they still doing that Street of Dreams? They did it this year. Yeah. Are they? Uh, do they do it with like rim shots? Here's a home you could afford for. You uh you yourself might be able to buy a home like this. When the economy rebounds, there are only like six this year, as compared to like ten or a dozen in years past. And, and they're all underneath these old radio towers. So it wasn't the best location. Really? On Mount Scott, that's where it was this year. And your children can grow up with three heads on a street of dreams.
All right. They're still beautiful homes. Uh, and, you, and you can probably get beautiful homes and you can get KGW through the doorbell. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh, Multnomah County judges cleared a nude Portland bicyclist of criminal indecent exposure charges, saying the cyclist naked has become a well-established tradition in Portland. This liberal judge said the city's annual World Naked Bike Ride, in which as many as 1,200 people took part this year. All of them ugly. Yes. Has helped establish a practice as a protest against cars and dependence on fossil fuels. It's a protest against not having enough attention paid to you. That's what it's a protest against. So the misdemeanor charge against 21-year-old Michael Bobby Hammond has been dropped. His legal charges began June 26 when he stripped down and hopped on his vintage 1970s 10-speed. Portland cops uh, saw the brief ride through the Alberta Arts District as a stunt, not free speech, and charged him with the city code forbidding the expulsion of genitalia. All right, then. Because we have determined that toplessness is, in fact, legal in Portland. Yeah. It is simply bottomlessness uh, that you are to avoid. But, you, I mean, you'll be let go with a slap, slap on the hand by a liberal judge. That's right, Tim. We need a little law and order in this town. They... We should totally run on... We should actually form... Tim, the next time an election comes around, mm-hmm. we ought to actually form the law and order party. You know, they, they, I don't think it actually exists. You know, there's Republicans and Democrats. I'm surprised that we don't have one of those here in Oregon. There's liber- all kinds of crazy people forming political Right, parties. but I mean, think about the idiots who would vote for you just based on the name of your party. You know, because you got what, the Libertarian Party and the, the, the Green Party and the People's Republic of whatever party. Mm-hmm. There ought to be, you know, and, and running on the, for the, you know, the candidate from the Law and Order Party is, because A, you'd get people who thought it was a goof because of the TV show, and then you'd get like my in-laws who would vote because of damn right, string them up. You know, that's, this, that is my, that's my mother-in-law's answer to everything. Doesn't matter who the problem is. You know, guy running the leaf blower, string him up. So you're running the Law and Order Party, you're gonna get lots of votes. I'm gonna make a little note of that. Do that in a couple of years. I'm surprised she's not blaming the American Civil Liberties Union. Oh, dude, you don't even want to know. My, my. Does she know that you're? Well, I don't know if you're still a card-carrying member. Yes, I am, in fact, still a card-carrying member Does of the American. Uh, I try to point it out to her as often as possible. She, in turn, retaliates by giving me Bill O'Reilly books for Christmas. Come on. So. uh... That's what I got the two Christmases in a row. I got Bill, Bill O'Reilly's Who's Looking Out for You? And then I uh, got the... Uh, I thought it was Lou Dobbs. No. And then I got the, uh, I think, the No Spin Zone or whatever. I've tried so hard to get a copy of that O'Reilly Factor for Kids on cassette. Because they sell an audiobook mm-hmm. of the O'Reilly Factor for Kids. And by the way, I'm not asking anybody to give this to me for free. I'm not using these airways for any sort of outside personal gain. But if you do hang up a Christmas stocking outside the station door. No, no, no I'm saying I'll buy it. Like you come up with a copy of the Bill O'Reilly, um, the, the, it's the Bill O'Reilly Kids book, though. It's got to be the kids one. If you come up with a copy of that Bill O'Reilly Kids book. Bill O'Reilly for kids. The audio recording, which does exist, but it's out of print, and I can't find it. Uh, if you can come up with that, uh, Rick Emerson will buy that from you. So just uh, note to self. Here's Tim Riley. Christmas carolers at Pioneer Courthouse Square now waiting for the tree. Right now, at this right very now, moment? at this very moment. And then they light the tree when? After Thanksgiving, usually. Like oh, a... my God, I just realized that Christmas is like a little over a month away. Yes, yes that's right, holidays Sarah. holidays are coming soon. I'm putting up my decorations this weekend. Mm-hmm. No, I always know that the holidays are coming because they, they come by my house with a giant leaf vacuum and vacuum up all the leaves that have fallen. A leaf vacuum? Yeah. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Of course, yeah. You know what? <laughs> of course. Is that just like those weird, like, petunia-scented dog waste bags? Of course they exist, Rick. 
I'm sorry. Um, you have, why do I get the feeling that if I were to go to your neighborhood at any given point, like the good witch Glenda and, and Crash, like floating around in a pink bubble, tidying everything, let me just give your Lexus a good polish. So, in meanwhile, in my neighborhood, it's just the sound of... I mean, that's why I asked if that guy called the cops when they were gunshots. Mm. My neighborhood, you just check the doors, lock it. is near dumpsters. Seriously. Just go back to watching TV. Yeah, you don't go out and investigate in our uh, neighborhood. Just turn up, turn up that Futurama rerun a little louder. Um, just figure another life has just ended. Yeah, they uh, an angel has just gotten its wings, Tim. That's how we refer to it in Southeast. That makes sense. The uh, but no, in my neighborhood they don't they don't vacuum the leaves, they don't blow the leaves. You know what gets rid of the leaves in my neighborhood? Time. That's all. Time. By the time about April rolls around, they've uh, they've just turned into mush and then they're gone. So we like to view them as just natural decoration that's left there once the holidays have ended. Here's a heartwarming story. Heroes for today. Dateline near Tillamook. Not even in Tillamook. No, Where do you live? Near, near Tillamook. Tillamook. Well, they're not sure because the signs are in short supply, apparently. 11-year-old girl who crawled out of a family smash SUV, made her way through a storm to get help, is being credited with saving her own life and the lives of seven others. Following a two-day storm that brought heavy rains to the northwest, a culvert and a stretch of country road washed away near Tillamook. And that's what had happened. Two vehicles ended up going over the edge. Stephanie McRae and her three children were in a Ford expedition that was swept a quarter mile downstream and thrown up against a tree. So uh, this young girl named Maddie, who's 11 years old, thought they were going to die. So she managed to crawl through the SUV's broken window and shimmy across a branch of a tree to get safety. She then crossed an electric fence and called 911 wow. at a nearby farmhouse. That's pretty great. That is pretty she great. She should be given the key to the city. Well, Although I don't know what city it would be, actually, now that I think about it. The near Tillamook. Here's the key to over there. Uh, that's great. Hey, speaking of signs, here's another thing you don't have to deal with in your uh, fancy pants neighborhood, Mr. Mann. Um, have you noticed this, that in a lot, and this is not just a Portland thing, but of course we live in Portland here. So I'm trying to be relatable. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that, and you haven't, of course, noticed this, but you don't I'm slum it. I'm observant. Uh-huh. You, the, the, but you're only really observing things outside your own window. You're observant of that, like, 100-yard stretch of road outside your own home. Things in Portland, like in, in southeast Portland, you observe those things at 80 miles an hour through a rolled-up window as you're trying to get back on the highway to leave. That's how you observe things in my part of the uh, my part of the city. Um, have you noticed in Portland a lot of those... Four-way intersections where there, first of all, are no stop signs of any kind. For and like, there's a lot of these off Hawthorne. Like if you're by like CD Game Exchange, one of those places. And, like if you go over to like Madison, like 37th and Madison or something. Four-way intersection, no stop signs at all. It yeah, is com- that's even in my neighborhood. Yeah, but what is the point of it? Why would you have an intersection and not bother to put up a five-dollar stop sign? I get so confused for those because I don't know if I'm supposed to stop or go or, or just to go. or just die, you know, and get yourself, you know, skip to the bottom of the page. It's a lot of bureaucratic stuff. You have to prove, beyond a reasonable doubt, that they need a stop sign. Isn't the idea that there are four roads intersecting that all have cars, isn't that proof enough? It it, it is not a priority of anyone anymore. Well, okay. It's very libertarian. I would think that would be the prima facie evidence there. The uh, The government cannot protect you. No, that is true. I mean, don't get me wrong. I stop. I'm just kidding. But but here's what I was going to say. It's not just stop signs. Have you noticed this too? You'll get to some place, and this is almost always in um, in like northwest Portland, like maybe on Vaughn or around there, thereabouts near Vaughn. You will be in that area of town, and you will be driving, and it's always when you need to know what street you're on. You're on the phone with somebody. Hey, uh, I can't find, uh, can't quite find your place. Uh, where are you at? I don't know. I mean, look, I'm. Uh... And then you look, and there are no street signs. The only street sign is the one that has its back to you. It's a street sign that faces the other way. 
I don't know why they do this with certain intersections in Portland, where they will have one street sign, but it's not double-sided. It's just on the side that you're not looking at. Always. It was always on the side you're not looking at. And then you're like, well, I don't know. They've decided not to tell me what street I'm on. I guess I'll just drive blindly. So it's just it's very frustrating. These are things I'm going to fix when I'm mayor, by the way. Here's Tim Riley. The deputies in Clackamas County are looking for a man who was caught on camera stealing a newspaper vending machine. Overall, 17 newspaper machines are empty or missing. The machines are heavy and hard to move, and deputies said the thief must be determined to steal them. Well, they are metal, aren't they? And by the way, that's the only time forevermore those newspaper machines are going to be empty. Let's all just, let's all admit that right now. Uh, these thefts started at the end of October and continue through this week. Uh... So they're looking at the video in Clackamas County right now, and they're hoping somebody recognizes the man once they take his picture. He only gets around uh, 10 to $20 in change in the machines, and they cost $650 each to replace. But he's not stealing them for the change. He's stealing the whole machine, right? Yeah, that's what it looks like. He's taking the machine, and he's... Wait for it. What? It doesn't say what he's doing. He's selling it for drug money. It's what they. Oh, I'm surprised they didn't come up with that themselves. But don't people at the other end of this who are accepting these know that these are stolen? Yes. I would say... Yep, they accept them. I would say wholeheartedly, yes. thousand times, yes. Hey, I think somebody may have found the O'Reilly Fetcher for Kids on audiobook. Here we go. That was fast. The O'Reilly Fetcher for Kids on CD. God bless you. You know who you are. Thank you so much. You're a good person. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Tom. Hey, what's up? Tech man. Hey. Calling from oh, this the beautiful is Thomas crap the hole of Flint. Thomas the tech guy calling from Flint, Michigan. Hello. How are things in Flint? Is it more pets or meat today, sir? Uh, it's more pets All today. Right. Okay. Uh, first, I wanted to talk about your stop signs. Yes. In uh, in rural in residential areas, they have this thing that a four-way intersection without a stop signs just everybody yields. They've so, been doing that for twenty or thirty years. So it is an understood thing that is it is an all-way yield. Yeah, because otherwise, okay. if they put them up, kids are just going to steal them and stick them up on the wall in their bedroom. <laughs> Hooligans. Hooligans are always at the root of this. Okay. All right. Also, you've got the uh, quote-unquote green lights on the Christmas tree. Yes, sir. They will be LEDs, not uh, compact fluorescent. So it will be pale lights. They put out no heat, but a lot of light. So they are, in fact, a diode. Yes. All right. Okay. Excellent. And waterless minerals. Yes. Since I am from Whidbey Island, the home of hippies and, and retards. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what their Chamber whole... of Commerce has hanging outside. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, they they have wireless journals all over the island. and They're basically a chem like a chemical toilet. So they break down the urine into the safer components. It's like a, so it, is it like an airplane toilet kind of? Kind or like of a camper? Nothing moves. Nothing moves. There's kind of a little float on it to tell them what the level is. All right. Inside, and they just come and pump it every couple of months. Interesting. And what is the, I hate to be gross, but what is the odor from one of those? Is it, I mean, does it eliminate the odor? Well, it's like, a, it, it always smells like a fresh porta potty. Okay. That's, I'm amazed they haven't made some sort of a, uh, some sort of a little tree for your rearview mirror uh, that has that scent. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, there you go. I'm, by the way, I'm, I think in the, I'm just going to skip to the bottom of the page at some point and start buying a, just a, like a Febreze-scented cologne. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley around the corner. More news. Uh, let's see. Coming up later on, Roger Klein performing live in the studio. Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. And more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program right here on AM 970 The Talker. Don't go anywhere. We return next. 
Feels like to be the recipient of like your undis, you know, your undiluted rage. Like my fridge. I, lo- I left the room quickly when I saw it escalating. All right, so Sarah, would you like to give the backstory, well, and then I'll give the punchline. For the past couple of days, I've been microwaving my lunch as is my want. You know, spending my hard-earned money on microwavable lunches in the morning. You know, and I, I carry them Just all the way. Trying to get energy to, to do the show. You know, I'm just I, I put them all in my bag and I I haul my heavy bag on my bicycle to work and so I go to microwave one of my like the, the, these little smart ones fajita things they're mm-hmm. really good and you like stick them in a little paper envelope and I bet you love them I love them very much so I stuck it in a little paper envelope and put it in the microwave for two minutes and then came back picked it up and it was completely soggy and it smelled like green tea it was the grossest thing I have ever smelled. So I had to throw that away, take out the tray, clean it out because some jerk had like had their tea in there and it was just sloshed all over like on the walls and like uh, in the things. I had to clean that. So then go in today and I'm going to microwave my lunch again and I look at it. I decided to look before I set it down this time and sure enough there's another puddle of green tea uh, in the microwave. So I had to take it out and clean it up and then I wrote an angry note but then I decided not to post it because it was kind of mean. And then Sarah came in the day and she was cursing the tea person. I'm like, yeah, screw that guy. He, he's a dick. Um, <laughs> it's done by someone who just doesn't care. It's by they someone who's care. a bastard. Yeah, as long as they get their tea, it's okay. All's right with the world. <laughs> Trampled by horses. Screw anyone else. Why don't we make the whole microwave smell like stinky green tea? And, and so then I'll just walk away like it never happened. <laughs> um, so, Rick? So then I was drinking my tea, and Sarah says, what's that you're drinking? And I said, tea? She said, is this the same kind of tea you've been drinking for the past few days? And I said, why, yes, it is. And she said, do you sometimes microwave that tea? And I said, uh, sometimes. And it turns out I am, in fact, that bastard. <laughs> so in my own defense, I didn't know because I would have cleaned it up. So here's apparently what is happening. And, Tim, this actually ties into something you were talking about today. You know, what with the economy and all. The economy. They've had to cut back on everything. And so now we have these coffee cups that are basically shot glasses. I mean, what is this? So that's an eight-ounce cup. I remember when I worked at this place, Cafe Revista, we had those. It, it backfires though because they're smaller than usual. So I use twice to as top many. them off. Then you're gonna have to then you're gonna have to fill up two cups to get even more than what you got with one. I mean, it's like it's styrofoam, which yeah. I didn't think we could use in Oregon anymore. It might not be styrofoam though. It might be that Dave Zinn material that we had last time. It's made out of Dave Zinn. Yes. Uh, so it basically is a Dixie cup made of styrofoam. So, but here's the thing. And so, but I don't know why they quit giving us normal size coffee cups, though. I, although I guess maybe doing more with less. So, um, so I've been making uh, my tea in these cups. But what I realize now, I'm putting it all together in retrospect, mm-hmm. is that these cups are small enough that the amount of water is sufficiently minuscule that the normal, because uh, I, you know, what I normally do is I, I make the tea with that hot water thing on the front of the coffee pot, you know, the the, the, the 180 the degree thing. one. Yeah, the red thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put it in the microwave. You're supposed to boil this tea and then let it sit, you know, for a couple minutes. And then I, you know, and then I put it in the microwave and let it boil, uh, you know. But what I realize now is the amount of time I'm microwaving it for, with this amount of water, it actually gets much hotter, much faster, and it just goes and just boils over the edge. So that's what's been happening, is it has been overflowing the lip of the cup when I microwave it. By the way, if you want to know what that note read, here's the note that Sarah actually wrote to the person 
that turned out to be mean. But I didn't write, I didn't, I, I kind of wimped out. I wrote it and I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just going to take, I'm going to step away from the note for a minute. You're doing I'm that so thing? Angry. I'm going to write an angry letter and then put it in a drawer. <laughs> that was it. So I left it in Richie's room. So whoever is heating up green tea in the morning, it is exploding in the microwave, leaving a puddle of tea inside and all food smelling like stinky green tea. <laughs> Please clean up after yourself. You have now ruined two of my lunches with your puddle of tea. Angry period at the end. So, and by the the best part is you weren't even going to sign your name. And it's on. I wasn't finished. I and it's it on jamming letterhead. That's the only stationery I could find. That was in Richie's room. Ruining the jamming guy's lunch. So <laughs> funny. If we so have AM970 stationery, we'd gladly put it on there. Anyway, so that was me. I am in fact that that bastard. So, uh, well, lessons learned all around. Rick Emerson, sorry, baby. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll get some calls here in a second. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. What? Spe- speaking of tea, this uh, big fire in Montecito is called the Tea Fire for some reason. Why is it called? Why is it called the uh, the Tea Fire? I, I don't know. That's what it's called. The Tea Fire in Montecito continues to burn out of control with a fire consuming 2,500 acres, four square miles. 100 beautiful homes have been destroyed. You sounded kind of like Johnny Olsen, The Price is Right. Look at all these beautiful homes. Let me tell you, it's got to be stopped because Oprah's home will not burn. No, no, no. Oprah will, uh... Well, you know the National Guard would be called out before that had happened. Also in that neighborhood, Michael Douglas, Rob Lowe, and one you wouldn't expect. Well, maybe you would. Should we guess? Yes. I, I think I already know. Didn't you tell me this morning, Tim? No. I didn't tell you this one. Oh. I just learned this myself. I thought you were, because doesn't Dennis Miller live there? Yes, Dennis Miller does live there. Yeah, which uh, we thought it was Santa Barbara, but this is apparently even richer and nicer. Uh-huh. Doing his show from a kitchen in an even nicer home. I know. Okay, who lives there? Okay, uh, Male actor? or female? Male. Oh, Male. Wait, hold on. Let's alternate. What'd you say? Male. Um, I was going to say dead or alive. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, actor? Yes. And not American. An un-American actor. Is he older? Yes. Well, what does that mean? Oh, your age. Past, choose, choose your words carefully. <laughs> Thank you, 35. Past 60. Past 60. Past not, 60. not American. Not American. Ah, uh, television or movies? Uh, more, more television, but he has been in movies. Mm, more television. And not in television recently. For 64. He's not an American. I, I, it's widely known that he's not American. Does he always use his accent? He has a normal accent, which he does not attempt to cover up. Michael Caine. No. no you can get the right country, though. No. Oh, British. I got it. Uh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Ben Kingsley. No. I'm out. I'm, got, I'm I suck at this. I got nothing. British actors. John Cleese. Really? I mean, he must have made some bucks at some point to live in Montecito. Well, I just got to live there while he can. That, 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 that new ex-wife of his is taking him for everything he's got. So, so the uh, medium home price in Montecito is $2.9 million. And Oprah's home is worth, well, just You know, the thing is, they would never let anything happen to Oprah's house. Seriously, the government the government would be mobilized. All forces would be called to protect Oprah. She, Oprah really mm-hmm. is our most valuable national resource. Um, but by the way, when you said you were speaking of tea, I was... I pity the fool who tries to get this down. I thought you were... That's what I thought you were doing there. Um, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. 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 <laughs> This is Amanda. I wanted to tell you um, about Roger Klein. Uh, I went to Eugene's show last night, and it was great, great, great. And um, and if yeah, if tonight's going to be anything like that, then um, you have um, a very good show in, ahead of you. So um, 
they uh the place was a really really small place but it was totally packed and they did about uh 15 song set list and then they just randomly asked people in the audience what they wanted to hear and they played about 15 just uh songs just by request i think the last time i saw uh, Roger Klein. I think it was just, uh, gosh, the last one with the Roseland. It's all like a blur to me now. But I think it was either that show or the last one at Bravati's, which is actually where they're playing the night. They did kind of the same thing. I think it was Bravati's when they did back-to-back nights. And the first night, I went, we went to both. And the first night I was really happy because he played Switchblade, which is maybe my favorite Roger Klein song. And then the second night, though, I think he was doing the thing of like, anybody, what do you want to hear? And then somebody in the back would be, you know... Blue Galaxy, you know, and he's, you know, and so then he would, then they would just play it. So it's a really, I and I, I we'll talk more about this because we're at Roger Klein uh, in the studio in the two o'clock hour. He did a little live performance for us, and then tonight, Verbodies. By the way, also another great band opening tonight, Mike D and the Loyal Bastards. Uh, and you may know him. Does Kristen still play with them? I don't, I don't know actually. Uh, he uh, he's a bartender at Dante's, but then he was also, you know, uh, a lot of people in Portland know him because he was in I Can Lick in the SOB in the house for a long time. Mike D and the Loyal Bastards opening for Roger Klein tonight, and I put a little post about this on my site and on my uh, my my Space blog. This is, uh, by the way, only good for the first three people. Uh, face value only, one ticket per person. But I make this offer every time Roger Klein comes to town. That if you go to Roger Klein tonight and you do not have a great time, I will personally refund the, the face price of your ticket, whatever it is. And so not if you like bought it from some guy in an alley for eighty dollars, then that is your problem. But if you go to the Roger Klein show tonight, everybody's, and you do not have a great time, I will pay you whatever you know the face price of that ticket. So it is, it is not to be missed. It is really a, it is an exceptional experience. And we're done. All right, great. Thank you. That's Amanda. All right, Amanda saw him in uh, Eugene last night. So they're going to be playing tonight. All right. Uh, one more, and then we'll uh, continue. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick, Sarah, and Tim. How hey. is everybody doing? What do you got? Fine, thank you. Hey, uh, is that Nickelback album on sale in stores yet? Uh, you mean, which Nickelback album are you talking about, sir? Are you talking about the... Uh... I'm just going to wait for the first come on here. It's been about 20 minutes since we had one. Nickelback... There you go. That's yes, right. that would be the album in question. I don't know if it's in stores yet. Are you? Oh, uh, God, do you want to buy it? Maybe you could go stand in line at midnight, sir, and be the first to own it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do nothing that crazy. Come on now. Right. Uh, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, this track, again, if you're just joining us, this Nickelback song, the new single service to radio this week, called Something in Your Mouth. Um, I can see people pumping their fists in the air. Yes. So can I, actually. Um, but it, it, the thing is, and it, it, just bear with me because I'm not going to play the whole thing again, but if you listen to the beat here, it does have a little bit of this. This is the thing I spotted about it. Speaking of great, uh, you know, like strip club songs, it does have exactly the same beat as any number of Motley Crue songs, specifically the same beat as Girls, 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 which is, I think, why that song is going to end up being played behind every Every girl who, you know, will show you her goods for three dollars. So, so there I you heard Kim say something about pumping their fists in there. Wouldn't they be uh sticking their thumbs in the air? Maybe. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Something good may have actually been filmed in Portland. <laughs> That's a lie. You're making that up. Well, there's still a week to go before Twilight, which was filmed here, opens in theaters. Producer 7 Entertainment is already seeking its teeth into more installments of this vampire romance. Wait, hold on. Twilight was 
It's filmed here. Parts of it were filmed here. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what Twilight is. It's a... It's a vampire romance. Twilight is... Is it a movie or a book? It is a movie based on a series of books that the younger set uh, have apparently real, really cottoned to. Um, it, I don't want to pass judgment because I haven't read them. And look, it, it, and, I, and I don't want to be the grumpy old guy with the kids and their stupid books. But I, um, you know, I'm for whatever gets kids to read. And I don't mean that to sound corny, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, I'm for, I really am for whatever gets people to pick up a book and read a book for enjoyment. So I, I mean, And I mean that in all honesty. Whatever will convince somebody who decide to actually read a book from cover to cover, as opposed to just sitting there inhaling paint fumes or whatever, is fine with me. It is apparently a sort of pulpy, uh, a pulpy sort of very, what one might call a guilty pleasure or beach book, but it is about, um, it is about vampires, and I guess there's kind of like some hot vampire romance or whatever, sort of a sub-Buffy kind of a thing. Okay. But... And then there's that True Blood show on HBO, which is so we're kind of in another vampire resurgence here. But this is the first movie based on that series of books. And by the way, every single person I know who's read that Twilight series, and and I do know a lot, and, and every one of them, they're all really, really intelligent, sharp people, but they all say the same thing. They all go, I'm not really sure why I read them all. It's like I just read the first few pages, and I, I mean, it wasn't like the best book ever, but I just couldn't quit reading it. And the next, I read all four of them. And they're like 500 pages long, so apparently there's some weird... They do seem like they have some addictive property to them. Everybody I know is like, they they looked at the first page, and the next thing they knew it was like a week later, and they'd read all four, so... Filmed in Portland, Multnomah Falls, The Couve, St. Helens, St. Helens High School, Salmon River, Longview, Kalama, Kalama High School, Corbett High School, Clackamas Community College, Carver, Oregon, Cannon Beach, and Washougal. Clackamas Community College. They really are the sexiest vampires ever. Come with me to Clackamas. So it could be successful. Yeah, no, I mean, no, it's going to be huge. Did you see that there was a near riot in Manhattan? Uh, what is today? Friday on Wednesday? I did not. One of the dudes, one of the one of the dudes who plays, I guess, one of the hunky vampires was in Manhattan doing some sort of a... a the, the, he was at one of the premieres or something, and it was literally one of those things where they had to get the cops... Because the girls were tearing the place apart. I mean, it was like, it was very nearly, this is like an out-of-control, violent riot. Because this guy from this vampire movie was there. So, And it does seem to be a chick thing. It, I, I will probably break down and read them at some point. Because it's one of those things, it's like that stupid, it's like, same reason I sat there and just was sanding away whole lobes of my brain reading the Da Vinci Code. Because everybody else had. That was too much for me. God damn, that's the worst book I've ever read. And again, you know, books are great. I couldn't make Whatever. it. Whatever. I, boy, it was just. Did you read the Da Vinci Code? No, I saw the movie. Uh, boy, it was terrible. They would have to pull my fingernails up in pliers. It was. It became just this death march of a book. I was reading it, and I was like, you know, and I'm like a third of the way in, and like three pages into the book, you're going, this is real, and you wonder if maybe you've inadvertently picked up the wrong book. Uh-huh. Somebody's checking the spine it's over. Like walking into the wrong theater. Yeah, like this is. Are you sure? Okay. You know, I'm looking at the front. New York bestseller. All right. Uh, Kirkus Reviews says thumbs up. Uh, okay. And I'm going back to reading it. But I will read those Twilight books at some point because they, they are such a big deal that I'll kind of read them. But, um, yeah, the, but I guess the girls just, like, ripped up the seats in this place the other day because the vampire guy was there. So so the young people love it. The three novels are written by a lady. Uh, yes. Yes, they are. Uh, further uh, ensuing sequels from the masses... Led bloodsucker Robert Pattinson to also be on the board for the first three films. The principals have not yet signed for the fourth installment, which is called Breaking Dawn. And what follows is a spoiler alert, so I won't do it. 
We could give a spoiler now if we give it a, you know. Wait, well, what, did they send you a spoiler? Is the story, does the story contain a spoiler? It did, but I got rid of it. Okay, well, good for you. I, I didn't want to be tempted. By the way, Richie says that a listener has threatened to firebomb every radio station in town if we don't stop playing the Nickelback song. I will not be held hostage. We do not negotiate with terrorists. You know, it's true when they say these colors don't run, so... Uh, by the way, that Nickelback album in store, uh, in store is 1118. That is next Tuesday. At, this guy says that. This is somebody from Music Millennium. Is that album from 1978? It's in store right here at Music Millennium. 1599. All right. That's, uh, next Tuesday. So there you go. So you can, uh, you can, you can see Nickelback next Tuesday. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I have some information about the Twilight book. Yes. Um, one of it, and I learned this from my wife who, like yours, is a sort of, I guess they would call an inactive member of the church. Yes. Um, yes. The lady who wrote it is a member of the church, so it's got the full force backing of that. Oh, so it's like an LDS. So she's LDS. She's now, But they're not religious books, are they? No, but she's a member of the book who wrote a member of the church who wrote a book, and it's sort of the support from within thing. Interesting. Uh, my, my wife heard about it from her sister who goes to BYU. That is a... I just got this from from Aaron. Uh, it says, the author's a diehard Mormon. Each book in the series is an allegory from the book of the Bible. That's interesting. And he says uh, there is no humping in the books, apparently. Well, there you go. Another thing about the book, um, from what my wife has explained to me, is I guess these vampires can go outside as long as they're not in, like, direct sunlight. So I suspect they shot in Oregon because most of the time the sun uh, does not shine. We are laden in gloom. So uh, that that was my understanding of of the thinking of this location. This is uh, all right. Is is uh, our lack of sunny days? All right. The more you know. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. Oh, there you go. Remember, there there was somebody else that came to to shoot up here because it rained and it didn't, so they had to create rain with hoses. I don't remember on the Bradway that. Was that bridge. Was that I, the Jennifer Anna? Was that the movie screw? I'm not sure if that was it. Well, that, well, that was shot at a strip mall in Aloha, for ah, the most part. Right. But she may have done some outside scenes. Well, I see now. I might go see it just because of that. And plus, see now, but see now, I have to read the books. My car is in the Jennifer Aniston movie. That, but not. But did you tell me not you? Were you blocked by somebody, or did it just not make the cut? No, my car is there. But but I thought it was your. But I thought you said that they sh- they filmed your head. No, they the, didn't film my head. Okay, but your car though. My car is in, in front of the restaurant where Jennifer Aniston is uh, telling her boyfriend that she wants to move to the northwest to start a soup kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's 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 just too weird for. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a spoiler, isn't it? That's. Did you ever see a movie though where they depict they depict Portland and they just and they'll make some statement like I want to go to Portland where I can raise alpacas, you know? And you're just kind of going, okay. So. And I'm thinking, you're Jennifer Aniston. You, I mean, there are other things you could be doing. Uh, I suppose. Except opening up a soup kitchen. By the way, you could be listening to KCMD Portland. Um, so now I have to read those Twilight books since apparently they are Mormon allegory. Um, you know, so I guess Mormon allegory is not just for Cylons uh, anymore. I guess it's time though because you know, ever because the Catholics forever have had uh, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, for allegory. So yeah, I yeah. like both those movies. I like the second one better than the first one. Uh, you know, I stopped after the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I I didn't care for it, and uh, so I didn't. I moved on. That's the only one I read as yeah. well. Yeah, I. Uh, no, we talking about the book or the movies? The book. Really? You never read the whole... They didn't make you read the whole Chronicles? Mm-mm. That's a prize me. No. Um, I mean, I read them because I love them. I've been reading Babysitter's Club and The Fabulous Five. <laughs> the Boxcar <Five>. Children. <laughs> and The Boxcar Children. to read The Boxcar Children. I know children. what I'm talking about. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the Chronicles of Narnia are pretty great. Don't get me... Oh, man, I'm just going to say this one thing, and I know I've bitched about this before. So, so I'm just going to say I was at the bookstore the other day, 
And, uh, and you know, and here's the thing, and I actually, and I will be honest about this. Uh, I was at a bookstore the other day that was not Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, I will atone for that by saying I didn't buy anything. It was, that's where I was when I called you about the eyeliner. You, yeah. you must have gotten mm-hmm. in to get out of the rain. I actually went in because um, they had a DVD in the window, and I wanted to look at it. It was the Duckman, first two seasons of Duckman on DVD, and I wanted to look at it. It was in the window. So I walked into Borders, and I called Sarah about eyeliner, which is a discussion for another day. But, <laughs> um, but, um, but as I walked by the information desk... This is, by the way, the difference between Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, 3415 Southwest Cedar Hills Boulevard, where Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard intersect, and other bookstores. This woman, who I'm sure was just trying to help in her own enfeebled way, was telling some poor sod who was there to buy the Chronicles of Narnia that he ought to be starting with The Magician's Nephew, which is the sixth book in the series. It is not the first book in the series, regardless of whatever the puny brain behind the counter tells you. For the love of Christ. Well, some people are always wrong. Every time. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know what? And the, the, those people are the people who tell you you ought to start with the magician. The first, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the first book. Any attempts to change that are heresy and unacceptable to me. Uh, apparently, by the way, the Twilight books feature vampires and werewolves fighting over a human girl. It is Lestat for a younger generation. Oh, by the way, Lestat... You want to you know a group of people who's all... Sounds French to me. You know a group of people... He's a freedom vampire. Do you know the group of people who are all angry right now is Anne Rice fans? Anne Rice fans have gone all mental. Did you see that she went all uh, nutty and Jesus freaky? No. Anne Rice's new books, I swear to Christ, no pun intended, are all about Jesus. I'm not kidding. I'm, I don't mean like in a figurative way, like about a woman who's... A, they're about Jesus. They're actual novels about Jesus. You know, I wonder if it's because during the uh, the floods in New Orleans... Where her husband was buried, the casket was carried away. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw her house in New Orleans when I went there last year. It went through the cemetery where her husband was buried, and all the caskets just went away in the water. That certainly seeds for nuttiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember our tour guide, the, when we were walking through the streets of New Orleans, she was saying, she pointed out Anne Rice's house, and she's like, but now you know, we can't get anywhere near it, and she doesn't want to talk anything about her no. other books, like she's because she's just such a religious freak No, now. she's gone crazy. Or, um yeah, and she had the cancer, too, so that always helps. That helps push you toward the light. So, yeah, she uh, she writes all these weird, nutty blog postings, and uh, I think she's born again. Not just not just Christian, born again. And now she writes all these books that no one wants to read about Jesus and kind of overlooks the fact that she got her career writing pornography, by the way, which I'm all for. You know, I, I'm, in, I'm firmly in the pro-pornography camp. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, what's going on? What do you got? So to emphasize your point there about, like, really smart people surprisingly reading these books, yes. my wife is a, a medical student. She's about a year and a half from getting her M.D. Right. And it's a happy day in our house when Laurel Hamilton comes out with a new book or whatever. What's her name? Whatever. The the author of Twilight. So, right, uh, right. She's at, yelling at me next to me in the car. And uh, second of all, went to uh, Pals at Cedar Hill Crossing yesterday and picked up that Paul Lindman book. Excellent. Thank you, sir. This is hey, The Exploding Whale is the name of this book. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a good book. Also, uh, for Sarah, that uh, cartoon you have on your webpage. Oh, rejected. Funniest thing ever. <laughs> that is an that, awesome, that is actually an Academy Award-nominated short film by a guy named Don Hertzfeld, Rejected. Yeah. Everyone I've shown that to has just, the quote is, best thing ever. Yeah, so. it is uh, It is one of the best things that's ever been. It may be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So. Oh, believe it. And, uh, hey, Rick, you know it's all right? Bragging on myself? Believe it. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, one more, and then we'll continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Hey, what's up, Rick? Hey. Sarah and Tim. Hey, hey, Nothing hey. Hi, hey. This is Shannon. I had to read those books because I have a 14-year-old who is enamored with those books, and she made me, kind of, but I kind of wanted to read them, too. Right. 
And, yeah, they take place in the Northwest because the vampires can go outside as long as it's cloudy and overcast. Oh, okay, so that's not actually just a shooting uh, thing where they wanted, in other words, that's not just a plot point and they decided to use Portland. It actually, they take place in the Northwest? They they are set in, uh, like, on the Olympic Peninsula, up, you know, small town west of, like, Seattle. All right, well, now I I have to read them. I really, really, really do have to read them because they're Mormon-based and it's vampires and it's pop culture and it's Portland. So now I have absolutely no choice. Other than that, they're completely vapid and inane, which makes sense why all of the, you know, teenagers love them. And, of course, the actor is the main actor guy is Cedric Diggory from the Harry Potter. All right, movie. excellent. All right, I'm all over it then. Thank you. All right, bye, all right, Rick. Fantastic. All right, here's Tim Riley. By the way, you're thinking of The Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones, Tim. I am? That is, this guy says, uh, you are thinking of, he's reading your mind, uh, you're thinking of The Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones, Benicio Del Toro. They filmed Hoping for Rain, and they have, we had the driest spring in 20 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there you go. Because somebody we know was involved in lighting that. Was it? Oh, uh, Siegfried. I believe so. Yeah, he lit Jennifer Aniston. Yes, he did. They don't let any, they don't let anybody do that. No. Right. Here's Tim Riley. So if you have any teenagers you don't want, time is running out to dump them off in Nebraska. My and mother you... was running out of patience when she abandoned her 18-year-old daughter. Radios are weekend. Radios being turned up uh, in the uh, upper floor of this building. She knew that the uh, state lawmakers would soon meet in a special session to amend the ill-fated law, so it applies to newborns only. So it's kind of embarrassing for the state that more than half of the 31 children legally abandoned under the state haven law since it took effect in mid-July have been teenagers because their parents were tired of them. Yeah. So the legislature will uh, convene again. And just the opposite has happened. This is if, uh, say, you're a character on uh, a television program and you have a baby and you want to get rid of it, that's right. when you dump it off. Well, it didn't happen that way. 18 teenagers, five 17-year-olds, two 16-year-olds, six 15-year-olds, two 14-year-olds, and three 13-year-olds have been abandoned, along with eight children who are 12 and 11 in Nebraska. Five of the children dropped off. Uh, we're from out of state. I just wonder, though, how it happens with, like, the 18-year-old. Mom, get in the car. You know, where are we going? Uh, to buy you something shiny. But then when they get to the hospital, the kids live there. If you're a miscreant kid in Nebraska, you you know about this, undoubtedly. I want to know, like, how did that conversation go? Get out of the car. No. 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 I mean, what is, are they physically, like, kicking the kids out of the car, like, as they're speeding down the road, do you think? Well, one woman dropped off her 18-year-old. She said she felt there was no choice but to leave her at the hospital after a recent flurry of assault, stealing, sleeping around, and cutting school. By the way, I saw a picture of the woman who dropped off her 18-year-old kid, mm-hmm. and the, the woman, uh, is, she's a crazy cat lady. Uh, she's In the photo, she is speaking to her cat. You can tell. <laughs> so, And uh, 14 children have been left off at three hospitals in Omaha. Alone. Well, I mean, one doesn't like to see a bunch of 12-year-olds just kicked out of a car, abandoned by their parents. But on the other hand, I think I speak the truth when I say if you're a parent who really is at the point where you're just going to... I mean, we, you know, people, have, people joke about it, and people who have troubled teenagers joke about, like, oh, where sign me up. But, I mean, really, honestly, if you are a parent who is willing to just, like, kick your 10-year-old out of the car and abandon him in the hospital, kid's better off without your stupid ass anyway. And, by yeah. the way, you should be sterilized forcibly. So, I mean, it, it, in a way, though, it sucks. Like, I, it, it, it is too bad they're closing this loophole. They really ought to have this loophole or this law in every state. Because, I mean, there's a whole bunch of kids out there that are paired with parents who should not be, have access to children. Oh, yeah. There's a whole, I mean, probably 70% of the parents there don't, you know, shouldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a, there's a small slice of parents who should be actively prevented from being near their own kids. And so it is, that is, I'm not going to get all serious and whatever, but it is very, uh, that is a very emblematic of our American mindset 
that they have this law that allows parents who clearly don't want the children and are bad parents to drop the kids off. And Nebraska's response is to be embarrassed that there were so many of those cases and therefore to get rid of the law so you can't do it anymore. As opposed to stopping and going, say now, uh, maybe, we should, maybe we should handle this somehow and keep these kids away from these cretin parents. Jesus. I mean, it's no wonder, uh, really, that it's no wonder that the, the streets of Southeast Portland are filled with kids with sharpened screwdrivers looking to jab out my eyes because they're, like, imprisoned with parents who shouldn't be allowed near them. On KCMD Portland. Thank you, Tim. I did the legal ID. I don't care. I didn't believe you. Thank you, Tim. I don't think I heard it. Do you want me to play it back? No, I believe you. How much do you want to wager? I don't know. I do you want to wager? You saying it. We can wager right now. All right. I, what do I have? I'll give you this. On-site audio coffee cup, if you're right. I was actually thinking. I was thinking that uh, the loser would have to pledge their undying attraction to Timmy Ryan. No, right I'm here. not going to do right. that. Well, there you go. <laughs> then we will all agree that I did it. No, all right. I did it. All right, let's talk about something that you might enjoy. Did you watch that special last night on the Jim Jones? You know, I, I did not, actually. I have it taped, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I'm trying to catch up on some stuff, and I did not get a chance to watch it. Is it fantastic? Yes, I watched it twice. Soledad O'Brien. I know they're going to be rerunning it, but I've got it on the TV. That is Soledad O'Brien's uh, Escape from Jonestown. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, one of the... In other words, what makes this uh, different than a lot of the other Jonestown stuff you've seen in the past? They revisited a, a lot of people who were... In the limelight during that time, uh-huh. who I never saw before, like uh, some of his second lieutenants right, right, who managed right. to live, and what they thought, and uh, what became of them. Interesting. One guy became a cop. And these are people who are these people who survived that day, or who fled in advance, or one one guy carried a uh, part of it. I didn't know there were suitcases full of money that uh, these guys were instructed to carry out. Really? Uh, the compound, which I never heard before. I didn't like, know that at all. $5,000. That that's totally weird. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay, no, I'll watch that. Do they have an interview with his kid, Jim no, Jones' son? I don't think so. Who, who I believe his name is Jim Jones as I well. Don't, I don't think he's And he's, you know, he's very normal. He recognizes. You know, he's one of those guys that... He, Jim Jones's kid, if I'm remembering the interview correctly, he's one of those guys you feel bad for him. Because he's a, he's a smart... Even now, after all of that, even after growing up with Jim Jones as your freaking dad, worst mass murder in American history... He's very normal, very grounded, smart, together, and you just feel so bad. You want to go back and hit some sort of reset on the wheel and let him have another crack at life where he doesn't have to go through with this huge millstone of being the son of Jim Jones. Um, so, all right, well, I'm curious to watch that then. I'm, uh, I will watch that this week, and I'm going to watch that. And don't spoil anything about it. I'm going to watch Bender's Game, which is the new Futurama film. So I'm going to watch that this weekend, too. Uh, so I'm going to do a whole lot of TV watching this weekend. That and, should be. And then, yeah, so I'll watch the uh, the Jonestown thing. And then, um, you know, and this will be a good time to re-pitch my idea about the kids of the Manson family. Pitch that to Soledad O'Brien as a follow-up. Because you know what? Here's the thing. Because this year is the 30th anniversary of Jonestown. Mm-hmm. Next year, 40th anniversary of the Manson family thing. So for the, so she could do follow that up. She does this. like a VH1 special. Totally. Thing. Well, see, I want to know where those Manson family children who were like... You know, eight or seven years old when the Manson family got arrested. I want to know where all those kids are right now. I mean, they were all put into the system in foster homes. Probably had their identities changed. A lot of them probably don't know they were Manson family kids. But every six months, you you hit on the Manson kids and how obsessed you are with finding. Because we're coming up on it, man. Forty year anniversary next year. If not now, when? If not her, who? I guess later in somebody else. Uh, Here's Tim Riley. Let's talk about Hillary Clinton. Okay. 
and the fact that she won't speculate on the big news story that Barack Obama is considering her to be Secretary of State if she wants it. I'm not going to speculate or address anything about the president-elect's incoming administration, and I'm going to respect his process, and uh, any inquiries should be directed uh, to his uh, transition team. She told the joke to reporters. I have to start by saying uh, I'm very happy there is so much press attention and interest in transit. Uh, <laughs> what? That was a joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, lightening up. Yeah, it's the new softer side of Hillary Clinton. The, uh, the interesting thing, and now this is what I watched last night, and when I wasn't watching the Jonestown thing, I sat and watched Anderson Cooper again. I thought once the election was over, I was going to break my, uh, but it's just too deeply ingrained. The habit can't be stopped. Um, but I guess they're doing this whole thing. Hillary Clinton, she's just, don't get me wrong, I love Hillary Clinton. She's just such a, just such a buster, though. I mean, she just, you know what I mean? Just, just right there, and in the, in the, kicks you right in the store all the time. And they know that she, she's no one to be trifled with. So they're doing this whole thing of floating the idea because this is the way Candy Crowley described it last night. It's the theory is they are des they are afraid, shades of the uh, VP thing, they're afraid that Barack Obama will offer it to her and then she'll publicly ponder it and then go, ah, no, thanks, just so she can emasculate him in front of the entire country. So, I'd rather work retail somewhere. Totally. So now they're doing this whole thing and they want to see if she'll say yes before they actually ask her. So it's just like whole lash together at the wrists, beat it style knife fight. Uh, let's see, who do we have here? On uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Is this the one and only Timmy Ryan? It is. Hello, first time, first time caller, long time listener. How are you, Timmy Ryan? Doing good, man. I've been drunk since last night. It's fantastic. Where are you calling from right you now? Sweet home. Different than usual. Hey, did you see that thing about that that story about the woman in Sweet Home? Now what happened? Oh, we'll get to it later on. She sent four hundred thousand dollars to some Nigerian oh, yeah, that's <laughs> bank scam. Um, she, I can't believe there are such dishonest people in the world. Um, so, uh, Timmy Ryan, uh, am I to understand you have a large announcement for everybody? Yes. Yeah. Timmy, uh, Tim uh, Riley, do you know what Tim, uh, Timmy Ryan's big announcement is? I might. All right. Timmy Ryan, uh, wait, hold on. I think I have the drum roll here. Do we have any music to kind of talk behind? Uh, hold on a second here. Let me see if I... I think I have... Uh, hold on. i got to go music. pour another drink. Hold on. This really is the most appropriate music I could really, come up with. It really is. All right. Ladies and gentlemen... Uh, founding uh, member of the Pimp Squad, Timmy Ryan. Timmy Ryan, what is your news? Pouring a drink. Hold on. Here we go. Okay. And a sip. I am moving. I am. I am. I am leaving Portlandia and the uh, the West Coast, the state of Oregon, the uh, West Coast time zone, and I'm going far, far away as of Tuesday. So you are moving. You are leaving. You are departing from yeah. this city and state. Yeah. Should I get out where I'm going? Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'm not. I'm moving to Nashville, Tennessee. You're moving to Nashville, Tennessee. Would you now? You're gonna do. Now, do you want to say you're gonna continue to work in uh, the field of radio broadcast? Well, let's just put it this way. I have several offers that I don't want to jinx, and uh, you know, maybe maybe all kinds of different. Let me understand this. You're still at the you don't want to jinx it phase, but you are in fact leaving on Monday. Shouldn't you be past the I don't want to jinx? Shouldn't you be at the I have signed something phase by now? Uh, well, like I said, basically, I'll, I'll kind of explain this. It's just once I get there, I have to weigh my options and kind of choose the best one. Like, you know, I'm not bragging or toting about myself, but I have had several offers there. So it's like... Many once, suitors. Many yeah, suitors. exactly. Bells. I mean, I have, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's some radio opportunities. There's some music opportunities. There's some other little side things going on there. So it's just once I get there and I'm, I sit down and 
kind of formally at a desk with a pen in hand, sign the contract, and the ink is dry, everybody will know. But you know. So Timmy, are you, are you, so you're moving there by yourself? No, no. Uh, Shelly and I are going together. That's a great idea. Oh, radio so. unstable relations. I'm sorry. What was that, Timmy? She thinks so. And what's more, she thinks so. <laughs> one of the reasons why that we kind of chose Nashville is because you know she's a, she's a nurse and she wants to get like her advanced uh, advanced master's degree of nursing or whatever. And Vanderbilt, as you may know, is in Nashville, and that would be the place to do it. And there's lots. Oh of... yeah, the only place, the only place. So it's kind of convenient for her and for you, right? And there's lots of drinking and shooting there. Oh, dude, you don't even know. So, uh, are you ex- so are you excited? So are you guys getting married? No, 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 no. She doesn't want to get married. I don't want to get married. No, that would be a, no, that would be making a drastic step in an unstable relationship, Sarah. You don't want to do that. Nah, we're not going to get married. No kids. But, you know, as you may know, that already kind of happened, but that was taken care of. So. Wow. Thanks for thanks for bringing us back to the most awkward moment in the history of the show. Okay. So, do I get to pimp tomorrow night or what? I was actually looking for the Nickelback song to play there. <laughs> Hold on. No, I've lost it now. You can't lose the Nickelback song. No, no, no. I mean, I just I took it out of the folder. Now I gotta oh. find it. Thank you. I gotta find it again. Now, what the hell did I put in that? The Nickelback. The Nickelback song has gone away. I was actually gonna try. I was gonna try to wash away the uh, wash away the awkward there with the with the Nickelback song. All right. So so just so we can recap here. So you, Timmy Ryan. This is not. We should say, by the way, for the record, this is not a gag or a goof. No, I'm out. I'm not like, like some kooky radio stuff. You are in fact moving your last. Uh, broadcast is going to be this Sunday on this radio station. Yeah, Musicology is going to be the uh, going away show, and it's going to be... Uh, now, the show itself will remain. We should say that. Uh, oh, yeah. Adam and uh, Adam and Kristen and James are going to do a hell of a job continuing it. So up. Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie and James Robinson are going to go forward. Uh, Musicology will continue. But your final appearance on Portland Airwaves coming up this Sunday. So Adam will be like the Dick Sargent of Musicology. Yes, Dick exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> or the Coy. Yes. Um, so, um, all right, so, uh, and so forth. You had something else you wanted to pimp shamelessly? Yes, so tomorrow night, I mean, officially it's the uh, Miles Run listener party, you know, over at American Cowgirls. However, uh, that's kind of going to be my going away party. That's really overshadowed by the fact that you'll be there. (laughs) Right, well, it's going to be my going away party, and and the reason being is because the CBS radio band, which consists of Don Sloan from Traffic Upstairs, Greg Nibbler from uh, Jammin' 1075, Adam Thompson, and myself, we got the best band ever, Tour de Force. And we're going to be playing at 8 p.m. Have they started to call um, Shelly Yoko yet? No. I'm just not that I would ever do that. I'm no, just no, saying. She's, she's not like that. All right. Not that I know. Okay, um, I'm just so saying. Be tomorrow- All right. No, you know. No. Thanks. Thanks, by the way, for your last appearance on the airwaves of saying something that I had to dump. You had to dump? D- yes. And don't repeat it again. You know, you can't talk about that stuff. Oh, well, come on out and. That did it. And enjoy a beverage of your choosing. Yes. And listen to some live music. There you go. Thank you. With me and the CBS radio station man tour de force. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. That is happening tomorrow, yes? Yeah, tomorrow night. Everybody come on out. It's going to be a big party. All right. There you go. Uh, that is uh, Timmy Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you will be should, Timmy do we have Ryan. final thoughts? Anyone wish to bear, bid farewell to Timmy Ryan? Yes. Goodbye, Timmy Ryan. Bye, Tim Riley. Tim Ryan, I'm glad that we we finally became friends. You have to go to the Ernest Tubb Record Store when you go there. Oh, no. No, actually, when I was there, I was just wasted in there for like four hours Mm -hmm. just like looking at everything. It was fantastic. Get me a Grand Ole Opry t-shirt. The one I got is getting a little threadbare. I will. I'll send everybody gifts, of course. Thank you. That'll be terrific. Are you going to be back to visit anytime, Timmy Ryan? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm planning on coming back at least, you know, twice a year, so. All right. Well, uh, come back and see us, and uh, and I will, and and now we will have the uh, very special uh, We Learned Something part of this. So, uh, in in all sincerity, 
You, the people, we make fun of uh, Timmy. Uh, everybody makes fun of Timmy. That is part of your charm that you provide any number of, uh, you have any number of personality facets which lend themselves to the creation of comedy. That being said, uh, you've done a, Timmy, you've been a big part of the station in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you've been, uh, Tim, Timmy, uh, you've been, I keep doing that. It's the last time I'm going to have to do it. So you've been Tim Riley's kind of go-to fill-in guy when Tim has been out of town. He 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 played uh, the first news bot. Yes, you were coin. the first voice of the news bot. Obviously, musicology, uh, a lot of the seventy second stuff that's played, and uh, and I and I w- and I really would say this actually. The irony of it is, your last on air uh, spot with us was the Friday that Tim was gone and I was out sick, and you and Sarah were on. And the funny thing is. You and Sarah talked for like 20 minutes that day, and I have to say, it was the best segment you'd ever done. You were really good, and Sarah's like, he's really come around. He sounds fantastic. So thanks for honing your craft you know, here and then deciding to take it elsewhere. Thanks for that. Of course. All right. It's like uh, playing double league ball and then moving on to the majors. Thanks you know? so much. Uh, you can be reached myspace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio, and you're uh, going to be tomorrow night at the Miles Around Party. So, uh, yeah, American Cowgirls, come on out and have fun. All right. Fare thee well, Timmy Ryan. We will see you down the road, sir. I'll see you rocking right, you by. Goodbye, Timmy. Timmy. All right, there you go. Amlin70 says goodbye to Timmy Ryan. The day we said goodbye to Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's do a couple more. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger is going to join us for a few in a few. Talk a little bit more about the American Cowgirls thing. Uh, then we'll break the bottom. Aaron Durand next hour in the 2 o'clock hour, rather, uh, Roger Klein and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do this hick watch. It is. Pathetic. Is it really? Yes, it is. Here's your hick watch for Friday. Well, part one comes from Sweet Home. We mentioned this a minute ago. Janella Spears, no relation to Brittany, doesn't think she's a sucker or an easy mark. They never do. Yet, she uh, gave away $400,000 in the Nigerian internet scam. In other news, somebody in Sweet Home had $400,000 and was still in Sweet Home. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the scammers ran Spears through a, a whole program. They said President Bush and FBI Director Robert Mueller yeah. were in on the deal and needed her help. <laughs> we're laughing at her, not with her. Spears uh, received an email promising her that she'd get $20.5 million if she would only help out this long-lost relative, identified in the email as J.B. Spears, with a little money up front. That's what got me to believe it. A little money up front. It all started out with $100. Then it escalated to $200. $200. $200. Then it ran all the way up to four hundred k. See, but that's what I don't get. I don't understand. Okay, $100, $200. Where does the leap to $400,000 come in? <laughs> that is strange, isn't it? But, I mean, is there any sort of clarification as to how that happened? No. I mean, what, there must be some point of demarcation at which you would say, wait a minute, this seems... Like it might not be entirely on the up and up, mm-hmm. says the woman in Sweet Home. Yet, it never crossed her mind. But, I mean, here's my question. If you have $400,000, like, laying around, you could be sending some guy in Nigeria, mm-hmm. doesn't it seem ever so slightly piggish that you're wanting, you know, that you're doing, wanting more? Uh-huh. I mean, that $400,000 sounds like it must have, must have been readily accessible enough she could have just sent it away. The idea that, that you know, that a woman obviously of some means just demanded more from a guy in Nigeria, which I do believe is one of the poorest countries uh, in that hemisphere. Yes. That seems like a, 
That seems like maybe she was just a little bit too greedy for her own good, Tim. So that's what happened in right. Sweet Home. Yeah, there you go. Part two. Let's do uh, one more. Uh, oh, is that the is that is it a double hick watch? Yes, it is. Okay, here's your second half of the hick watch. Then we'll do one more. Then Dennis will join us. We'll talk about the, his thing tomorrow. Then we'll break. This comes to us from Bay, Idaho. A sign erected by a northern Idaho landowner that advertises a free public hanging of President-elect Obama and several other political figures is being investigated by the U.S. Secret Service. Bonner County Sheriff Elaine Savage said she and the secret agent from Spokane plan to take a first-hand look at the sign put up by Ken Germana. That's a political statement, Germana told the Bonner County Daily Bee. <laughs> Nothing ending in the Daily Bee is ever a big circulation they call it whatever paper. they want, a threat or whatever. The handmade white cardboard sign uh, posted to a tree has the words, free public hanging. And it does have a G on the end of it, just to credit him. It's a hanging, not a hang-in. Written in large orange letters, a noose fashioned from a length of rope hangs down to the middle of the sign. The name of the Democratic Oregon senator, uh, Illinois senator, is written in equally large letters near the bottom. In smaller letters are the names of Senator John Kerry. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and civil rights activist and former presidential advisor Al Sharpton. Germana says he poses no threat to Obama, but he wouldn't lose sleep if the president-elect came in harm's way. Uh, everyone has the right to free speech unless it advocates killing or hurting someone, says uh, Christian Holbert, the president of the Task Force for Human Rights. Bay is about 50 miles north of Coeur d'Alene. In a region, <laughs> no one surprised. In a region known for its ties to white supremacists. Area nations had a compound in nearby Hayden County till 2003. Jarena said uh, the sign was put up. It was not racially motivated, but in response to two effigies involving Alaska Governor Sarah Palin and Obama. Leading up to the November 4th election, well, of course, we all know the story about that. So, uh, Jermaine has said the difference between how the two situations were handled. I, I guess there are other situations like this. If other people want to make political statements, so can I, he said. Just because I don't live in California doesn't mean I have rights. <laughs> if the cats and jammer cops want to pursue it, God The cats and jammer? Really? Mm -hmm. Is that what he said? Is, that, is cats and jammer the new keystone? Uh-huh. No one says the cats and jammer cops. Mm-hmm. Aren't the Cats and Jammer kids a kitchen that comic strip? Yes. All right. In the 1930s. By the way, before we close look this. Look at this fella just like you think he looked. The Cats and Jammer kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Seriously. All I mean, right. You know there's some genes that have run awry. <laughs> I was going to say. Somebody's DNA strand has been uh, supplemented with that of frogs. All right. Uh, there's your double hick watch, ladies and gentlemen. Copenhagen. By the way, I'm just going to read this as it's written on the screen. Richie says, I'm here, Dennis is here, Aaron is here too and has his shirt off. It's really weird back here. Tim's expression indicates that he'd like to see that up close. Isn't that right, Tim? No, no, I was thinking about some bad weather coming. Let's welcome now to the Rick Everson Show, the host of Miles Around, uh, which airs on this very fine radio station, uh, 9 to 11. Uh, Saturdays, 9 to 11, immediately following uh, Car and Driver Radio, our good friend Dennis Pitsenbarger. Hello, sir. How you doing, sir? How are you? I am uh, I'm good. You're sleeves. You look at... Yeah, no, it's getting there, huh? There is, uh, Holy a... crap, like it's like you didn't have tattoos and now you do. A couple yeah. things. A, you've kept the weight off. Good for you. I actually have gained well a done. little of it. No, you're still... Way... I mean, I don't want to like you were like a whale before. I mean, I mean you, you dropped a lot of weight. And I would say you... it looks like you kept most of it off, though. So. Yeah, I've well kept done. most of it off. It's been, it's been a battle. The, uh, the Halloween, man, that was a real... That was like... 
It's like goes back to rounders, man. When the guy gets a pocket, Cowboys, man, he just t- the, the 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 Reese's peanut butter cups took a leg out real quick. Oh, dude, and well, Tim and I were talking about this the other day. We were in the kitchen, and there was a big, I don't know, some kind of holiday food, like a, some of a pre-Christmas thing. And Tim was noting that this is when what did he call it? The great fattening begins, <laughs> because every office Halloween is like a starting gun for bad food in the office because it starts with candy corn. And I've known that they've done this thing now where they, they mix it in with the dry roasted peanuts, which does two things. Ups the fat content and gives you this illusion that it's healthy. Oh, yeah. You know? No, no, no. It's only half the candy card. The rest of it is peanuts. You know, which is a little bit like Sarah's whole thing of giving Richie a big wedge of cheese the other day and trying to peddle it as some sort of health snack to him. So, Well, we were just talking about that back there, about cholesterol. Richie's sucking down eggs. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's I, sucking down eggs? He's eating eggs. It smells like a you know, like a rerun of uh, Cool Hand Luke back there. Uh, that's great. But, it's uh, almost hard to believe it. He takes all the yolks and throws them in the garbage, and then the kitchen really starts to smell. Well, he throws raw egg yolks in the garbage? Not raw. Like hard boiled eggs. But you know, sometimes, like on a weekend, you know, that trash is going to take it out for a uh-huh. long time. No, it's full of Richie's yolks. Ugh. Right. Well, we get the extra, you know, miles around. We're, we, we go on at 9 on Saturdays. It's so funny because Big Jim will come in and uh, he'll give me some random donut they've dropped off to their show on uh, KUFO. Like, you know, maple bar donuts with bacon in it. And, it's and, almost hard to believe we come in the studio some days and start to itch uncontrollably. Well, ever since uh, ever since the parting of Matt Peterson, uh, a sad loss to Miles Around, we have been trying to do a better job at keeping the food debris out of the studio. I'm just saying. The mouse no longer squirts out of your hand like a bar of soap in the shower. I'll give you that. No offense. Uh, anyway, so no, you. but then you, real quickly, oh, yeah. thing, so you got the full left arm. Well, the it, left arm. It's not totally done, but it's like a third of the way done. It's it, Well, I got the shading done. It'll be full color. I got the pistons. And that goes down both arms, and then the whole back, all the way up over my back and my shoulders, a big uh, supercharger and flames, like in a hot rod, and then all the gears in here. Let me tell you, this tattoo right here, for those of you in the audience... He's got a big, it's a gear or a cog yeah. or something. It's like, well, it's like gears, and then here's the transmission with the shift knob and stuff. Right. And a little story about your that, wrist. Let me tell you something. People... I have a couple other tattoos. The one that obviously I was right. covering up, the one on the back of my neck and stuff like that. But Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Is this to cover up your pot leaf tattoo? Yeah. I got sick I and... never put that together. Yeah. I mean, I is got, that so? There's no teddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm what tar- kind of a plant is that? Is that a fern? Well, I'm just you know that she's yeah. three. She was three like uh, this Tuesday, uh-huh. and it's you know when she can write her name and work the, the VCR better than me. I yeah. mean, it's it's to the point where I got sick of going on vacation and letting my hair grow for a couple weeks and not shaving and then like swimming in a resort pool that I can afford to buy. Right. And then having like the the pool part like Moses, you know, as part of the ways. You know, through Israel, because people look at me like I'm some drug addict with my kids. Mothers like pulling their children away as you walk through the mall. Oh, totally! Like they just look talk at to it the so dirty man. And uh, so I just I covered that up, and it just it's. It, let me tell you something. People who get this much work done, I have a whole new respect for because it is it is something that. I literally, like, the second time I prepared better and brought in, like, a football mouthpiece because right. I was ready to bite down. Now, wait, now, like, you got the inside of the bicep. Now, does that, is that, like, hurt more than, I mean, what's the, this, what's the hurtiest place? The, the, the hurtiest place is right there. And I haven't even got to it because if you can see the back of my arm, my elbow isn't done yet. Right. The elbow is the, by far, and I've been told that that's the part where you better have them chain you down. Are you, what are you getting on your elbow? Well, it's just going to be the continuation of the flames and the flags. Not and the, the obligatory gears. spider web? No, no, I haven't uh. gone to prison, not that I'm admitting to. Only county. Sarah, what did it feel like when you got the inside of your wrist done? I felt like someone taking a hot like knife and dragging it against, especially like that part right there. Let me see that real quick. Now, so what is part? it? Is it the amount of like, um, it you was know, just on, the, but is just, it the it amount just of... felt like a burning line. Like the closer it got to my hand, the more it, 
it hurts. And I don't want to say like you know fat or whatever, but, might, but between the skin Maybe, and the bone, yeah. is it? You can see how paper thin my skin is because yeah. of my veins. So like the closer it is the bone, that's the more it hurts. Oh, absolutely. Or whatever. The, 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 yeah. In other words, you know the. Uh, yeah, and the less padding or whatever there is. So you like, have to find yourself a mental place. I basically melted down the last time. Uh, or uh, the wept first, like a child. Oh, I totally. I mean, you can have. I went to it. I'm going to give them. Uh, can I give them the free plug who did the work? I'm, I'm, oh, okay. and, and, I'm not getting anything from it. Oh, okay. Uh, Infinity Tattoo did the work. But this whole thing, he did it the first session. I was literally like in tears. Like my wife has pictures of me. Like I had broke down. My endorphins right. had gone off the chart. But uh, the rest of it I got done. And now I've kind of found like my place. And you'll love this. I made a master mix of every butt rock song I ever loved, and I literally, my place to get out of the pain is to put my studio headphones on wide open on my MP3 player, and I pretend that I'm Sebastian Bach or, you know, Axl Rose, and I'm singing on stage. I put myself in a mental place to not listen to the needle as it drives oh, into my dude, skin a thousand times. I am a braver man than I am. So... Uh, do we want to break and come back on the other side, sir? Yes, well, we, we also have Aaron. We also we have, we have a lot of stuff we need to do. Okay. So, Horaway, did you have something? Well, I, well, when we do this, when we break, we'll come back. We'll bring in Aaron, and then first part of that, we'll talk about your event uh, tomorrow. That's great. Uh, places to be, people to people to do, and so forth. So, uh, <laughs> break, we'll come back, talk a bit about that. We'll have Aaron at the same time. We'll get all that underway. Tim will have some more uh, headlines for us. And then, of course, at 2 o'clock, Roger Klein's going to be here. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Dennis Pittsburgh on return. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. There you go. Roger Klein and the Peacemakers are going to be at Brabati's tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and actually in the studio around 2 o'clock. Roger Klein will be joining us. This is so exciting. It, you know, and I have to say, we've had him on the phone twice. I've seen him. I haven't lost track of how many times. Um, and uh, so we, but we've never had him in the studio before. So we are, because we, it's all, he's always playing on a Saturday or Sunday or something. So we're very excited about that. That's coming up at uh, 2 o'clock, uh, about 15 minutes away from more news with Tim Riley. Uh, Aaron Duran will join us here in just one moment. Dennis Pitsenbarger. Now, here's, we got to say this. We're going to tie like three things together. Aaron's going to join us in just a second. Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around is here. We're going to talk about your event tomorrow. But here's the thing. Dennis, what are you. What are you using as an armrest right now? Uh, I am uh, contemplating thievery because I have a 12-pack of the new Viso flavor in front of me, and it is caffeinated, and, and uh, unless somebody's got more power than me, I'm walking out. And this is actually a good time to uh, bring we on... we all do when it comes to Viso. Aaron Duran, who was... You and Kristen Butwe were in the hallway as I was talking about Viso, and I didn't see you at the window, but I guess you had these. Oh, yeah. Uh, may, may I can't I hear myself. On this box? I can't Please hear my I... own dulcet tones. How did you yes. want to do this, Rick? Um, yeah, Kristen literally came running down the stairs, chugging both cases. You were in the middle of the live read, and we were trying to burst in. I was just—I wasn't even looking at the window. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, there's, if you could have rewound like five minutes ago, there would have been an All image right. of Kristen holding it with me flying over her head. So as you know, we've been talking about these two new Viso flavors. It's like Christmas. 
Uh, Viso Star and Viso Dynamo. One of them is organically sweet. The other is sugar-free. Both caffeinated and both half blood orange, half green apple. Oh. All now, right. Which, I know for a fact now, that who Star has, is good. I, have the, I think I have the... You've diet. got you've got diet because it's the blue label. I won't open it yet. I'm not looking. Okay, well let's stop. What flavor? What is the name of your flavor that you're opening right now? I believe it's the. I, I don't know because it's not on the box. One of them says Dynamo on it. She's got Star. Uh, I have the uh, 12 pack of. Uh, I have the Dynamo naturally okay. sweet in my hand. So Sarah is opening the box, the case of Viso Star. Oh, it's so beautiful. Blue label. Yeah. Look at that. Oh man. Can I touch it? We must try them. Ooh, and they're kind of chilled. They're, they're chilled. They're Is that the chilled. heavily caffeinated one? Oh. They both, both are. Well, which, yeah. Now, which, All right. Can I, you open the uh, open the top yeah, there? This is the Viso oh, Dynamo. Very nice too. Look at that with the oh, nice. It's uh, purple. Oh, it's it's the purple. Party of the uh, Viso groups. Oh wow. Like Christmas. Those are beautiful. Those labels are fantastic. Okay, we've got to taste it. We've got to oh, taste it. Go. Seriously, yeah. hey, note to upstairs. Remind me to oh, remind me to build them for this whole segment. Check it, man. If you compare them. Those are those are like the Joker's colors. Oh yes, the uh, I would. These are gorgeous labels. Okay, can we stop talking and more drinking? <laughs> can I try it? Sarah says that. I'll take time. phrases most frequently uttered by Sarah for a thousand. Anyway. Um. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take a moment here and uh, I'm gonna reset my palate because I actually just finished my last viso. So. Oh my God. Um. Does it, does it smell fantastic? It smells. Fantastic. All right. Fine. I'll have some. You guys are pushers. Hey, I like this name Dynamo. I can hope I just, this is a new trend. Of can I? But can I announce wow. here? Before, that is ridiculous. Before we say anything more, let me say. Now, these are these on sale now? No. Not publicly available? So I oh. am going to be that guy. Listen, I'm breaking the seal on a brand new flavor of Viso no one else can have. Oh, Listen oh that. my God, it's so good. It tastes so good. We always do say we have the best jobs ever. This is one of those moments where I really do say... I'm really glad I work here. Is there another Dynamo? Now I have to taste that one, too. All right, hold on a second. Maybe there's a case of Dynamo. <laughs> Which one did okay. you try? This one? Wow, that's really good. The yeah. star. All right, so you're trying Dynamo? Yeah. All right, wait, let me crack this one. So no one's surprised. That's tasty. That's got a nice tartness to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I got to calm down. I got to put these down here. All right. I hope he starts naming all his flavors after Running Man villains. <laughs> <laughs> And then just uh, and then move on to GI Joe. This is Viso Scarlet. Yeah. All right. Oh, fantastic. All right. <laughs> I look like a crazy Viso lady right Seriously, now. Seriously, <laughs> we're hoarding. We're like the Prussian era grandparents. All right, we got to rein ourselves in here a bit. Uh, Dennis Pittsburgh, you got a big event happening tomorrow. I do. It's a listener party for Miles Around Radio and Television. And, and by the way, let me just say, I'm sorry, I hate to cut you off right right at the beginning. Please try not to do what Timmy Ryan did and necessitate dumping by talking about the prices and specials of anything. Oh no, there will be uh, there will be available items for sale at the bar as always, the like beverages other... of whatever variety, like water. Yeah, water and other Um If you'd like to, Many just go things. to milesaround.com and you can check out the information on a place that won't get Rick Emerson in trouble. Thank you. And uh, if you want, just go down there. It starts about six o'clock. It's really going to be a lot of a tribute in the beginning to Dave Walters, a fallen uh, local racing legend, mm-hmm. and. Then we're going to get into Tour de Force, uh, manned up by uh, our own Adam, Fo- our phonealicious phone screener, as we call him on Miles Around, and Timmy Ryan and a few of the other great people from CBS Radio. Then moving into Same Old Situation, which is a incredible Motley Crue cover band. And then they are makeup, the whole nine yards. And I've got the uh, preliminary st- uh, set. And it's going to be a lot of the older stuff. Well, I was going to say, what era? Well, what era do they do they dress as? Well, they dress as, as uh, uh, make my brain work, uh, Shout at the Devil. Excellent. And a uh, little bit little bit crossed with uh, Dr. Feelgood, but uh, their their main genre or set list is going to be a lot of the older stuff. The real hard rock and stuff, which is what I loved. Very cool. And so it should be a good time. Get down there. American Cowgirls is down off MLK, right across the street from the convention.
Convention Center, Miles Around Listener Party, and uh, like I said, as always, uh, on our show we say without uh, without you there would be no us. Well, thank you. There you go. Dennis uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Miles Around 9 to 11, and then American Cowgirls. American right. Cowgirls. And tomorrow. I got this box right here, right? Uh, you can leave that behind. You okay. take that one in your hand. Okay. That's what if I just it. lick all the... What if, can I just start licking all the lids? Please That's... don't lick anything, and please don't ever, don't ever talk about licking anything ever again. All right. See you guys later. Dennis Pittsburgh. There you go. Thank you. Uh, all right. Can we move those off the counter there? Thank you, Richie. I appreciate that. They're just they're making everything vibrate. All right. This is so exciting. All right. It is exciting. I'm uh, holding in my hands the Viso Dynamo and the Viso Star. Now, i got to tell you, so they're the, basically the same flavor, uh, both caffeinated. One is uh, sugar-free. One is organically sweet. This one that is uh, naturally sweet, the Viso Dynamo, I do, you're right when you say it's the Joker colors. It's, yeah. Uh, Look, I hate to just sound like a total. Uh, I, just not, I hate to get all Carson Kressley and everybody, but they do have such beautiful labels. I mean, they're designing. They, you know, they, they've got a really great artistic eye at Viso. I mean, the, the bottles look. There's I, something so comforting about carrying around this little blue bottle too. Almost as though you're addicted. <laughs> no, I don't know. Almost as though your body depends on Viso every know day. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll actually say this. Um, I remember I was uh, I was at a recording studio one night. It was like a, couple, a year and a half ago, something like that. And I had brought Viso Vigor with me, and I actually took the bottle, oh, and it was unopened. I took it out of my pocket, out of my, my big coat pocket, you know, and I opened it and I started drinking it. And the guy actually said, he goes, that is a really cool bottle. What is that? He didn't even know what it was. So he was just sort of, uh, you know, he was kind of struck by how beautiful it, it's, it is in terms of design. Anyway, so there you go. I don't know when they're going on sale. I don't know when they'll be in stores. Didn't you say, Aaron, like pretty soon here? Uh, the the person that let me sample some, I think he told me in about a week, but yeah. I, you know, I, I could be misremembering. So this. watch for it soon. Viso Dynamo and Viso Star. I feel like, you know, I feel like that's a proud. I remember Viso when it was just a, a tiny little cap and the bottle was all squishy and, and it was. They and hadn't like got them. It was called Visoda. Visoda. Yeah. <laughs> so excellent. Very cool. All right, Aaron Durant. Uh, so we'll do some stuff here. Uh, Tim Riley is going to join us in a few moments. We'll do more news. Roger Klein going to be in at two o'clock, and then uh, you'll probably return later on in the show. So we have, uh, you know, because there's lots to talk about. But you were there, James Bond, Quantum of Solace, uh, Solace last night. Bastards didn't play the Star Trek. I knew it. That is all I care about. That's it. You know what? I know that you're trying to be nice, but John Hamm is my enemy. Uh, John Hamm, by the way, him down. John Hamm is the guy. He shares the name with the you know the madman Don Draper actor, but he's the beautiful man alive. at the guy at the concession stand, and so there's Paddock and I in line, and we and then here's the thing: if we told him, first of all, he's the projectionist. You know he already watched that crap, and so of course he watched it. He, he's got it in his back room right now. Let's be clear: we're not mm-hmm. actually accusing somebody by name of committing a crime. Oh, no, that is said for doesn't. satiric purposes yes, only. It does. But so here's the thing: so Paddock and I are in line at the convenience stand. Last night at the at the at the theater for Quantum of Solace, which again, you know, obviously Bond was the main event. I mean, that was the big deal. A line there at like two o'clock to see it, but we had heard everywhere that the you know the Star Trek trailer was gonna play before the Bond film. And so Paramount Pat- announced it, and so Patrick and I are standing there, and we're shifting nervously from foot to foot, kind of like we missed a bathroom break or something. And the guy's like, okay, and uh, you know, uh, anything else? No, no, ring us up. Extra butter? No, we're fine. Would you care to upgrade for a quarter? No, you know. And, it, and the guy goes, you know, okay, that'll be ninety-four dollars. And so I, you know, I'm whatever. And Paddock actually tells the guy at the concession stand, says, "Dude, look, has the movie started? Just tell us." And this guy at the concession stand says, "No, no, no, dude, I, I'm the projector. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm the projectionist. You know, it hasn't started." And Paddock says, "Okay, that's great, because we can't miss the Star Trek trailer." And so what does the guy do? A, 
he never tells us that the Star Trek trailer isn't attached to Bond. And then, 90 seconds later, despite our childlike pleas, he vanishes back and then he goes, I got to start the movie now. Bye. We're like, it is what it is. And I mean, we just, and we told I think one of us actually started to say, we're with CBS Radio. Oh, come on. And then he was just gone. Well, good thing the Fast and the Furious trailer played. Oh, that was the, dude, how much of a big let the air out of the room moment was that? With the, you know, comic Warner Brothers pictures. And then you see Vin Diesel and you immediately... You know, you know that you can turn your brain off for the next 90 seconds because it doesn't matter whatever you're about to say. Really, every movie studio had a trailer last night. There was MGM. There was Warner Brothers. There, there was all of them, you know, except Paramount. And I do believe I got yelled at because once the trailers, I, at the time I didn't know, quote, ended and that MGM line came on. Right. I, I do remember screaming out, oh, F me, worst trick. Yeah. No, everybody and, was. Yeah. And I actually leaned forward at one point and I, I go, because Scott, you and Scott Daly were in front of us. And I think I go, did we miss the Star Trek trailer? Scott goes, no, they effed it. They effed us. They didn't play it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Ministry of Truth here in a moment. Tim Riley will have news for us. Later on, we're going to talk uh, James Bond, Quantum of Solace. Get your thoughts on that. And actually, because there were some, however good the movies turn out to be or not be, uh, there were some interesting trailers last night. So we'll talk about some of the trailers that aired last night when Aaron Duran uh, returns. At the moment, though, you will turn your attention this. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hello, poor man. Uses his two-year-old daughter as a human shield. This to protect him from being tasered. The little girl was not tased. Is this a taser watch? I believe it is, yes. Here's your, uh... Here's your taser watch for Friday on the Kemmerson Radio Program. Here's Tim Riley with your taser watch for the end of the week. Hello, Portman used his own two-year-old daughter as a human shield to protect him from police officers' tasers. The little girl was not tased. <laughs> See, so I like, it's almost like they wrote the story with us in mind because they put right in the lead that she wasn't tased, thus freeing us to laugh about it. So David Conrad Elliott's grandmother called 911 for help because he was highly intoxicated and acting aggressively at her home. Elliot was confrontational, and deputies arriving at the scene drew tasers as they tried to talk him down. Deputies said Elliot picked up his two-year-old daughter and held her up against them between him and the tasers. <laughs> the deputies were able to get the child to safety at harm and eventually arrested him. Oh, you know that... Uh, look, uh, you're talking about people who should have more children, aren't you? I was just going to say, first of all, where's Nebraska when you need it? it Secondly... I'm just saying, this is just my assessment of the situation. What what town was this in? A Walport. Where exactly oh, is that? It's on the coast, isn't it? Uh, sure. Uh, so Somewhere in whale explosion vicinity. All I'm going to say is this. I'm not saying this was the case, and certainly I would expect that the police officers, uh, you know, they acquitted themselves in in a fashion befitting a man who, who wears the badge and, uh, you know, upholds the law. All I'm saying is... You're going to arrest a guy, and he picks up his two-year-old daughter as a human shield. I'm suspecting he fell down anywhere between five and 6,000 times on the way to the station house. And then again on the way to the bathroom, and then again on the way to the staircase. Well, speaking of the bathroom, once in custody, he caused extensive damage to the patrol car by urinating on the backseat while being transported <laughs> to jail. Oh, they beat that guy's ass like there was no tomorrow. There was... 
there was some biblical uh, s that happened to that guy on the, on the way to the uh, on the way to the interrogation room, where then he was beaten with a hose and his junk was slammed in a drawer. The creator of Desperate Housewives is denying rumors that suggest Sarah Palin will appear on the season finale of the ABC series. Are we done with our taser watch? Oh yes, we are. Right, guys. Seriously, do you think they even waited until the daughter was completely in somebody else's hands before they started beating that guy? I mean, I, I can't even... I, they probably beat him like, like they owed, uh, you know, like he owed them money. I can't even imagine it. I'm sorry, go ahead. But anyway, let's talk about this uh, Quantrium of Silence, the new James Bond movie. <laughs> Daniel Craig explains why the film picks up where Casino Royale left off. It always felt like the end of Casino Royale was the beginning of something. It always felt like... With the death of Vesper, with this idea of betrayal, and, and, and also the, this organization, Quantum, which is obviously they're digging into, there seemed to be <laughs> unfinished business, and we needed to tie those loose ends up. Actress Olga Karilenko is asked why her character wears flat shoes throughout most of the film. She has her mission. She's prepared. She knows that anything can happen any moment. She can't be walking around with high heels. She needs to fight. I don't think you can be really, like, wearing this, you know, crazy dresses that don't let you move and wearing high heels if you're this kind of girl. I mean, you saw at the end, she's wearing uh, cargo pants and t shirt because she's ready to kick ass. So that's why she wore flat shoes. What country is she from? I don't know. I, I she really... was very pretty, though, if not annoying. I, she had a certain, uh, I don't know, a certain sort of exotic beauty uh, to her. I was just, I will say this. Uh, first of all, as I said earlier in the program, Judy Dench was great. She's always great. But it's like I sort of... She's for... a dame, isn't she? Yes. Yes, yes she is. Dame. Wait, now, is a dame, is that like a formal title, like a knight? Yes, it is. W what like is a knightress. <laughs> it's, uh, she's a knightette. Um... But you know, but I see her sort of interviewed a lot. Or they'll, you know, she's so classy and amazing. Yeah, and then it's like you see her act, and you realize like she can really, you know, she can really bring it. And and I will say that Daniel Craig. There's been a lot of discussion about that guy because he is so much. He's so not in the typical Bond mode. Richie doesn't like him. See, and I and I will say this. You, this sounds like such a like a weaselly thing to say. It sounds like I'm trying to dodge passing any sort of judgment. Mm -hmm. But it really is just such a totally separate character. You know, because again, you get Roger Moore, and especially Roger Moore, and Sean Connery, and Pierce Brosnan was really this way too. I mean, it was just this side of self-parody. I mean, it was one step further, and it would have been just ridiculous. And I, and I think I one time, I think I said it one time that the Bond is really like Frank Sinatra with a gun, but really it's not even that. They really are Hugh Hefner with a gun. I mean, that's it's, you know that era of Bond. That was really what it was all about. It was the guy. It was like Mr. Wolf from Pulp Fiction, but he was, you know, happened to be having the uh, the Walter three PK, uh, the Walter PPK gun with him. Mm -hmm. Whereas Daniel Craig is a totally different. I mean, he doesn't have any of that sort of. He doesn't have any of that sort of debonair quality in the same way that those guys did. He has a certain panache, but it is this really dark kind of brooding vibe, almost like a noir. So and there are no gadgets really to speak of either. There's some, they, you know, the agency themselves has some advanced electronics, but he doesn't have like a, you know, like a wristwatch that turns into like a catapult or anything. So they've they've really stripped him down a lot. I think that's a response to the Born Identity films. Let's play some film clips, shall we? In this scene, Agent Fields, 
Gemma Alterton, tries to get Bond to return to England. Mr. Bond, these orders come from the highest possible authority. Taxi, Fields, when is the next flight to London? Tomorrow morning. Well, then we have all night. If you attempt to flee, I will arrest you, drop you off in jail, and take you to the plane in chain. Understand? Perfectly. After you. I think she has handcuffs. I do hope so. Uh, by the way, can I just... Sarah, should I repeat the phrase that I told you last night about? Yes. I had this... Yes, yes, you should. I had this moment of clarity uh, last night while watching the Bond films, uh, while watching Quantum of Solace, because, you know, Bond, because he is so perfect and stylish and stunning and intelligent and lethal and can hold his alcohol and he can kill you with a Q-tip and he speaks every language and he knows everybody in every city and all women fall at his feet. And when you watch Bond, it's so easy to kind of fixate on the women that he hooks up with, like that girl who has uh, what we might call alabaster skin and very prominent lips. and who was, She was very pretty. She was cute. I, she looked like somebody. I couldn't quite figure out who. Um, but when you watch the Bond film, you realize that it really isn't just women. The whole thing of the Bond film is that everyone is in love with James Bond, and they are all so unbelievably enthralled by, like, his sexual energy that they'll just do his bidding. Because, you know, there's the obligatory scene where he visits the guy who's retired. You know, the guy who's out of the game. And Bond <laughs> shows up and, like, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, need some, I need some ID. And the guy goes, I'm out of that game. I'm retired, or haven't you noticed? And it's like him with the hot wife, and, the, you know, he's living in a chateau. And Bond just says, you know, like, and then, and then they do the backstory. And the manipulation all in like two sentences where he goes, look, about that time in Algeria. Look, I was wrong, and I know it. And I realize that now, and I know that loyalty is a thing on which you can put no price. And so I am asking you, old friend, are you really retired, or are you only on vacation? You know, and then the guy goes, well, you're right, Bond. I wish to have sex with you, and to make fake passports. And so when that's when I leaned over to Sarah, and I said... And this is what they're going to put on my tombstone. This is going to be this is going to be the phrase that I came up with. They'll remember before that James Bond movies are gay porn for straight men. I mean, that's really what it is. Because I mean, hundred percent. It is the absolute externalization of what men see when they look at themselves in the mirror. I could fly that plane. Totally. I it, could drive that car that fast. Bond is an oracle that shows you what lurks within the male psyche. So. Which is neither good nor bad. It just is. Um, it, was just, it, all, it just got so, like, over the top, though, t throughout the course of the movie. Are you saying ridiculous. you were not enthralled by the sexual vibe of James Bond? No, I think he's ugly. All right, then. Let's do uh, one more, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Roger Klein. Well, let's play another scene, shall we? Yes. And this scene... Mmm... I think that's M. <laughs> M tells Bond that, that Vesper, mm is the chef. That, that uh, Vesper's boyfriend is uh, still alive. His body was washed up on a beach in Ibiza. His wallet and ID were in his pocket. Oh, that's convenient. Quite. Which is why I did a DNA check on a lock of his hair found in Vesper's apartment. It's not him. A lock of his hair? I wouldn't have thought Vesper the sentimental type. Well, we never really know anyone, do we? But I do need to know Bond. I need to know that I can trust you. And you don't? Well, it'd be a pretty cold bastard who didn't want revenge for the death of someone he loved. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to go chasing him. He's not important. And neither was she. Mm. By the way, isn't Vespa Dick Van Patten's daughter in Spaceballs? I, I thought that was the scooter that Audrey Hepburn rode in. I think, I think it's all three, actually. All right. By the way, our final word on this. Our good friend Siegfried, who knows all things, says, 
Uh, Rick, two-thirds of the Bond films have Trek trailers. Talk to the projectionist and the list of the film company has. Some have Watchmen, some have Trek. If you're a good projectionist, you will forget the rules and put the Trek trailer on every print. There you go. Says Siegfried. All right. Are we going to talk about the trailers later? Yes, we will. We'll talk about the trailers and the, uh, and the flick itself. All right. We'll take a break here. We'll come back after this. Roger Klein joins us in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, later on, more from Aaron Duran, Tom Likas at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. That's the joy of live radio right there. And I just loaded it. I just had it there. All right. Wait. Hold on a second. Wait. 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 Flawless. You know, this went so well when I was uh, when I was anticipating this moment earlier on today. Why, hello, oh, it is the... Nerves, they got the better It idea. is the Rick Emerson radio program. No, I just got busy telling a story about the electronic door that locked Tom Likas in the bathroom. Wait. Hold on. Uh, and now it won't play. Well, right, that's wonderful. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> with that stellar opening and introduction, we want to welcome out of the Rick Everson Show from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, Roger Klein and percussionist extraordinaire PH. Hello, you guys. How are you? Great. Very well. How are you? I'm fantastic. It, it was especially fantastic when I went to play that song that then didn't operate properly. <laughs> Phantom so. song. Just so you know, I'm going to lay awake in a cold sweat tonight, replaying that moment thousands of times. No big deal. Um, so a little uh, back story here. Uh, we have been fans of you guys for a long time. Thank um, you. And uh, we've uh, talked on the phone a few times. And your shows are typically on a Saturday or Sunday. They have been. And we haven't really been able to have you in. So, we're, you know, it's a big thrill for us to kind of have you uh, have you in the studio. Cool. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate the invite. Usually we start our um, our West Coast tours going the opposite direction. And so we usually go through Seattle on the Friday or Saturday, or Friday, and then um, Portland on the Saturday. I will actually say, just on a personal note here, that uh, first of all, we should say you guys are going to be at Brabadis tonight. Um, the website, azpeacemakers.com, Brabadis, uh, tickets to Ticketmaster, and, uh, and it's always, I always say this, um, that if people want to really experience what is, for my money, the pure distillation uh, just the absolute embodiment of that kind of unique ecstasy that only comes from the confluence of music and community and energy and hope and all of that. And the stuff that in the wrong hands can be corny, but when done properly is really just the magical elixir of life. That is a peacemaker show. It really is. Wow. Can I, I want to I wanna use that sound bite. Thank hey, you. That, that was a huge compliment. I really appreciate that. So this will, uh, my wife and I have actually gone you know, the more times that I can, that I can count. This will be the first time. That my wife and I are not there together, and it is. Uh, I told her that I would tell you this. The reason that my wife is not going to be at the show tonight is she, as we speak, is actually she's in Peru, going up the Amazon and then to Machu Picchu. Wow! And it, we actually that had, barely qualifies as an excuse, though. Good reason. Do we? Are we going to clear that one? I guess that's okay. So we had this conversation. I think she and still make it if she, she were really committed. She actually said at one point, she actually said uh, that she's going to look at her watch, and at around like 8.30, 9 o'clock Portland time, she is wherever, wherever she happens to be at the moment, she's actually going to stop and do a, at least a, uh, 
at least a euphemistic and perhaps literal toast to you guys. Uh, maybe so, ayahuasca or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> which could make for a very good show. Uh, so if you have not, uh, if you haven't heard of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, first of all, you have led a sad, sheltered, and bleak, colorless life until now. <laughs> Let's go back, um, go back a bit uh, to to where it began, and then into the refreshments, and then to now. Where did it Where did it all start for you? It began for me in Tempe, Arizona, where there was a very, very um, a vibrant musical community in the let's see mid 90s and out of that everybody everybody was performing with everybody else it was very very incestuous ph and i had played together in a couple of different bands and then um i formed the refreshments and it it went from being just a tempe band to a signed band to a national band and then um and at PH joined the refreshments right around the time we were getting signed, and, and he and I have been together making music ever since. Um, the refreshments disbanded in '98, I believe it was Cinco de Mayo, 1998, and PH and I decided to become independent rock and rollers and be sovereign and autonomous and, and all that fun stuff. And it's definitely got its challenges, but we've been together now for. Ten years with this band touring the United States of America and making music, and we're privileged to do so. I would. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, you guys create a, a special kind of magic and vibe with the songs and uh, with the, you know, the, the, the conjuring of stories and tales and the painting of very colorful characters and, you know, and just the great sound that the records have. Above and beyond that, how do you explain, if you can, that sort of special connection that does seem to exist between you guys and your fans? It really, it really is something... Something I haven't seen in a lot of places. I don't know how to really explain, but uh, because it is, you know, without I don't want to be self-aggrandizing, but I do think it's a very unique, magical thing. <clears throat> but it is what, <clears throat> pardon me, it is what art should do for a community, and a community should do for art. I was a, a psychologist and an anthropologist, well, a major, and I got my a couple of degrees in those in those liberal arts. But I I've always been um, an admirer of historically what art can do for the populace and how the populace actually sort of creates art. And I've always wanted to be a reflection of a humanistic community. And so I try to stay attuned to that vibration. What, how do I feel and does it, does it feel somehow pro-humane? Is it creating compassion, tolerance, the highest aspects of our humanity, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness? I know that sounds like a lot for rock and roll, beer drinking and, you know, being on a tour bus, but that's that's the basic platform from which I operate as a songwriter. And I think it's honesty attracts a certain kind of crowd, and that's what you'll find in a Peacemaker show. You won't find somebody... You'll, you'll find somebody who wants <clears throat> to just drink tequila and look and chase skirts, and that's all fine. That I don't think that that should be exclusive to somebody who wants to listen to a message of of kindness and hopefully something that's world building in its its consciousness its uh, its evolution if that makes any sense to you at all it does and i and i have to say actually the moment uh, i think i used the phrase moment of clarity earlier on today but the, the moment of it was a sort of crystallization that happened with my wife and i because we had been familiar with the refreshments loved the refreshments and then there was this time where she and i were kind of moving a lot and we weren't really weren't really plugged into things we moved here to portland and long story short, a guy here's like, I'm going to this great show tonight. It's Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And I said, that name sounds really familiar. And he goes, oh, you know, the refreshments, blah, blah, blah. So my wife and I like, hey, we got to go. That's fantastic. So we go, and I think it actually was at Burbati's. Um, and the moment for us was, I think, maybe halfway through the first song, maybe the second song. There was this moment where you dropped out, 
and, you know, you let the crowd kind of sing something. Sure. And a lot of times it's just because, you know, whatever. It's because the guy's busy blowing his nose or something. But you kind of tossed it to the crowd. And every single person in there knew every single word. And it, But it didn't feel exclusionary. We looked Good. at and we were like... It should be inclusive. That was and that's exactly, what the whole thing is about. Yeah. And we were like, this is it. Like, we, you know, I'm so glad we came here tonight. So with that said, um, we're going to uh, favor us with a few song stylings. I'd love to. We're a little bit unwarmed up. It's kind of early for rock and roll. But let's go back and build the bridge between the refreshments and the peacemakers in case uh, this, this next song might jar a memory or two. And it was the most famous of the refreshment songs that we that we wrote, and it's called Banditos. So we will begin there, shall we? Ready, PH? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So just how far down you want to go, we could talk it out over a cup of joe, and you could look deep into my eyes like I was a supermodel. Uh-huh, come on! You and me, baby, no one else we could trust We'll say nothing to no one Know how we bust and never crack a smile we we'll flinch and cry for nobody Uh-uh I give you all Everybody knows that the world's for 
pistols, but I'll give the pistols. Yeah, that seems fair. That seems fair. That's the coolest thing that's ever happened in this room. Well, thank you. That is even better than the time Teeny Yothers hugged me. All right, that is... Uh, Teeny Yothers. Wow. From, uh, wait, 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 wait. What was the show? Family Ties. Family Ties, baby. She actually sat on that stool. That's a Teeny Yothers celebrity stool you're sitting on there. Man. Uh, made famous by the refreshments performed here uh, by P.H. and Roger from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. By the way, we're going to be playing tonight, tonight, tonight. Be there, be there, be there. Uh, Burbati's. Uh, tickets to Ticketmaster uh, or go to azpeacemakers.com. AZ is in Arizona. azpeacemakers.com. Uh, so we were talking earlier about the, the, the humanity of what you do and a worldview and a very much trying to build a community and also you do, or at least represent an, an emerging community, you know. And I know that sounds often really incongruous with what rock and roll is, which is very, very visceral, very corporal, very, um, you know, move your ass and, and drink your beer. But I don't. I've always it's a fine line, but I, I've never thought that necessarily community and and all those wonderful words we've been talking about, and rock and roll need to necessarily be exclusive. And it's you know it's difficult sometimes to to walk the line or to merge the two. But it's been a really great challenge for me as an artist to to write rock and roll songs that have have a message if you want to detect it, and also that if you want to turn that sort of turn the filter on and just you know have a shot, drink a beer and. You know, look at girls or guys, whatever. You know, I will do that as well. I will say that one of the rituals at every uh, at every show you guys do is seeing the sort of caravan of shots that are kind of like a fireman's bucket brigade or whatever toward the stage, and just you are like Lucille Ball on that candy assembly lunch. Bam, (laughs) bam, bam, and I mean, it's it really is. It's impressive. Now that image is just about. It, isn't it, PH? You do seem uh, drawn as a songwriter. You sometimes write about characters on the periphery. Indeed, yes. Characters on the edge. And is that is that something you've always been attracted to in terms of painting that picture, people who are kind of out there on the horizon? Yeah, certainly. You know, and and the most progressive people i found are or have been um, you know, people like Gandhi or Bob Marley or, you know, any of our greater religious leaders um, in the in the past. But also there's... There's an appeal towards the um, the rogue as well, right. you know those banditos or pirates, you know anybody like, you know Pancho Villa or um, Henry Morgan, and the the confluence, as you used the word earlier, of those personalities or those the thing that can be really, let's see, base, and then the thing that can be really the aspect of humanity that can be really based or the aspect of humanity that can be very, very progressive, I find an interesting dance, and I certainly have it going on in me. And so I, I write about it quite the, a bit. The merging of sin and salvation. Indeed, and isn't that the big story? And this is, I mean, one of the most overused phrases probably in rock, but one that I do believe is applicable to you is there is a very 
I would say, a Dylan-esque quality to the way you do, as you say, paint those rogues. And so, Mike, who who influenced you in terms of wanting to be a musician, but also in the kind of music you create? What, wow. are, what are the component parts? The component parts go way back. I remember some of the first stuff I ever heard was Sons of the Pioneers. My my father, well, let's see, my grandfather and my grandmother bought a cattle ranch in southeast Arizona um, in, I think it was right around the end or middle of World War II. So it's been in the family ever since I was born, for sure. Um, it's always been in my world in this lifetime. And I remember some of the first music I ever heard was Sons of the Pioneers, Johnny Cash, Hank Williams, Willie Nelson. And when I was a kid, they, I could see the movies that the, those songwriters were singing. And when I came into my teens, I thought there's no way I, I was I was rebellious, and I thought there's no way I'm ever going to listen to anything that re- remotely re- resembles country music ever again. Um, and then I began to listen to punk rock and some of the more progressive stuff that became the forefathers of what we call and foremothers of alternative music, which would include the Sex Pistols, Susie and the Banshees, the Psychedelic Furs, the Lords of the New Church, the Violent Femmes, Camper Van Beethoven, and really, really liked what they could do with breaking the rules of rock and roll and, you know, creating a whole new frontier that later ushered in popular music. Um, somewhere in my late teens, early 20s, I I realized that country music and what I was listening to in that punk progressive stuff was largely the same in, in its honesty of its heart and its intention was to communicate something to the listener irrespective of how good it sounded. Inarguably, if you listen to Tom Petty's voice or David Lowry or um, Hank Williams or Willie Nelson, they don't have particularly beautiful instruments in terms of their voice, which was very liberating for me because I thought, you know what? I don't have a great voice, but it doesn't matter. It's not the vessel. It's the thing, the message inside. So when I started to mess around with songwriting, I just sort of put the fear of being a good singer aside and focused on the message. I will say uh, on that note, while you certainly uh, outstruck uh, Keith Richards as a singer, somebody did say something about him one time that you reminded me. They said that uh, they said Keith Richards can't sing, but in the most charming way. No, no yeah. there's a certain rawness well, you there. You said Bob Dylan, you know, and you can't, you don't listen to Bob Dylan's voice go, wow, that's really soothing. It's certainly no Patsy Cline. Right. But you're stricken by the message that comes across, and he's a poet, you know, non He's I don't... There are paragraphs in each sentence, and I've always always been um, an admirer right. of hey, people st- who can do that. You stole a phrase earlier from me. I'm going to steal that paragraphs in every sentence. Do I remember that. How did you guys? Stole it too. How did it come around for you guys to do the King of the Hill theme? I've always wanted to ask you that. Super accident. Uh, the refreshments. Pardon me. I got to clear my throat. <clears throat> the refreshments were on Mercury Records at the time, and Fox News put out essentially what was a casting call to all the major label record companies at the that were existent then that probably no longer are now. But they said, would any of your bands on your label like to submit to a Fox show that's going to be about a middle-class working family, you know, struggling to keep their, their morals intact in a turbulent world? Um, essentially, they, were, they had a good ethos. It was a very, very short description, and they wanted lyrics. And I didn't know the family, but I was like, you know, it sounds intriguing, and I'll give it a shot. And we took a swing at it. PH and I were on tour and on a break in Chicago at his home when he and I went down into the basement, and I put together that little riff, and 
he put together the the cadence, the right. train beat underneath it. And we thought, well, that's how it should be. That should stick. And we just showed it to the rest of the band and recorded it on tour live, essentially. I think we were in Kansas City, Missouri. It was at the end of a show. And I said to the crowd, we're going to, we're almost at the end of the show, but we're going to do this thing now. We're going to play a 30 second little snippet and we're going to submit it to a, a TV show. So do us a favor and cheer as loud as you can. Pretend it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. Right. So we're going to play this and just fire it up. So we played it. The crowd responded hugely, probably more than they had all night. And somebody took the tape out of the, the cassette tape at that time, you know, cassette tape out of the recorder and sent it in a Fox. Lo and behold, about two weeks later, my manager calls me and says, hey, I got somebody on the phone you got to pick up. And I, it's a conference call. I said, okay, great. And it was Joe Boucher and Greg Daniels and um, Mike Judge on the other line, and they were in L.A., and they proceeded to just rail on me. Hey, who do you think you are <laughs> trying to coach a crowd and pull the wool over our eyes? We heard that tape. I didn't realize that we had forgotten to cut the leader before we sent it in. And I was mortified. To make a long story longer, here's a three-minute story about a 30-second song. Um, I was mortified, and I actually proceeded to apologize. And they were like, we're just, sorry, kid, we're just kidding. We love it. And we want you to come to L.A. Fantastic. That is a great rock and roll story. Uh, we're talking to Roger Klein. Roger Klein and the Peacemakers tonight. Burbotties. Tonight, Burbotties. Be there. Be there. Ticketmaster uh, is where you can go. You can also go to azpeacemakers.com. Uh, the, 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 the new record, by the way, Turbo Ocho Sessions. Uh, is there, and I believe it's still streaming. You can uh, you can listen to all the songs that we did and watch all the, the daily videos that we did as well. And uh, I, I think if we have uh, time, we're going to be able to hear one more. As... I'd love to. The one that the Phantom song that didn't play. Yeah, we can play that. It's from Turbo Ocho. Absolutely. And uh, as we sort of wrap this up, we've been asking a lot of people this question lately, and uh, really, it seems uh, is a perfect question to ask you. In the movie of your life, what song will play over the opening credits, Roger Klein? Opening credits. The opening credits. The movie of your life. The song and the soundtrack will be Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. All right, done and done. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Roger Klein. I do. One, two, three, four. Let's leave them sip 
risen through the ashes for our glow. Baby, I do love rock and roll. Baby, I do love rock and roll. Come on, sugar. Don't it get you high? Let the rain fall down and your rivers overflow. I'll jump right in. The water's fine and it ain't too deep, you know. Baby, I do love rock and roll. Baby, I do love rock and roll. Was that another decade coming? God, wow! Rock and roll, baby, I do love rock and roll, baby, I do love rock and roll, I do, baby, I do, I do love, I do, baby, I do, I do love, I do, baby, I do, I do Once again, the uh, the power, the glory, the magic, the majesty, and the beauty of music. Roger Klein. Love it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? All right. Um, can you, am I way hot over there for some reason? My mic's on. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I think you, the power of your rock is destroyed by the processing. So, all right. There you go. I'm sorry. Um, uh, so there you go, Roger Klein, Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, PH. Uh, the, 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 everybody will be there on stage, bringing uh, bringing the sound of uh, bringing the sound of, of righteousness as only you can, sir. Well, thank you. Hopefully, you know, with humility too, you painted a pretty, a, a pretty. A pretty, pretty picture of us. I appreciate that. We'll just do our best to live up to it. Roger Klein of the Peacemakers tonight. Burbotti's tickets at Ticketmaster or go to azpeacemakers.com. azpeacemakers.com. Be there tonight uh, at Burbotti's. And the uh, new record is called the Turbo Ocho Sessions. And uh, I cannot uh, thank you guys enough for coming in. It was, the pleasure's uh, ours. Thank all you. right. Thank you. And continued success in uh, music and life and in all things. Sir. And to you, too. Right. Invite us back, and we'll come and do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It was the happiest night of my life. I gave her that ring, hoping she'd be true to me. But I soon find it was drunk sincerity. like the best thing that's ever happened. Hey, the moral is... I have no words. And always check your sound files before you use them to introduce a guest. So, all right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It's Friday. Is it Friday already? I say here at the end of a whole day of it being Friday. Wow. Uh, All right, Aaron Duran joining us in the studio once again. Hello I have returned. How you doing? Good. All right. So that, that sounded awesome. awesome as it sounded yes, in here? Yes, it did. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, I hate to just keep gushing like a nerd, but... Uh, I was really hoping I was going to play the King of the Hill song. Uh, they do. If you see them live, they play live. Awesome. Um, they usually, the, you know, see, and I'll say that, and then it won't happen. But uh, <laughs> usually when, uh, every time I've seen him do it, it, they usually do it back-to-back with Banditos. They'll play Banditos, and then at the end of Banditos, they'll do this big rev up, this dum 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 and then it just turns to the dum 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 you know, which is, which is really cool. Um... 
And I think the first time Laura and I saw them, we we again we had just sort of put together that day like ah refreshments, peacemakers, same thing. And so then when we went to see them, you know the, the peacemakers that night. You never know when a guy you know sort of moves from one band to another. You never know how much of the former band stuff they're going to play. But obviously, you know, he is. They've transitioned using a lot of, you know, they brought a lot of that stuff with them, which is great. And but the first time we saw them, they just busted out the King of the Hill theme, which we had no, we had no idea was going to happen. It was, yeah. uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty righteous, is what it was. And can we just say that he is a beautiful man? He is. They both were. He's, and I got to tell you, uh, I don't know. He usually he, uh, some British phrase, washes up with something. He dresses. He has like a great. He has a great style thing, too. You see that guy on stage? He's another guy, though, that I look at him on stage and I'm like, I can never be that cool. Because he has, like, some... Well, he has, like, this otherworldly quality. Like, when he's talking, it seems like he knows things that other people don't. Seriously, don't you feel like that? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like he's on some weird sort of mystical, uh, as John Lennon would say, on some flaming pie, looking down on the rest of us going, mm, look at the humans. So, <laughs> he is... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's channeling Carlos Costanza. He's pretty flawless. Roger Klein. All right. Aaron Duran. Hello. Hello. Hey. So uh, we, we, it's funny. Um, so we were out in the hallway doing the photo with Roger Klein and, and, and uh, PH, and he saw the Death Star. We have a big Death Star on the inside of the door. He's like, Death Star, right on. I know. I heard that. It was... And then you're like, we're all sort of nerds. He's like, so am I. So am I. He's like, original trilogy only, no special edition. And I could tell he was a true nerd. He wasn't just placating you because yeah. he actively complained about the fact that the CGI Boba F- or uh, Jabba the Hutt, yeah. that it looked really fake when Han stepped over no. him. And he was like, Jabba would never put up with that kind of crap. He totally <laughs> did. He was like, made a, a specific CGI Jabba the Hutt reference, which was fantastic. So... Uh, anyway, so there you go. Well, let's, okay, well, so speaking of nerds and blah, 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 and whatever, so we, we were kind of complaining about the fact we didn't get to see the Star Trek trailer before the, uh, before the movie. Yeah. But we saw the trailers, we went to see, uh, James Bond, Quantum of Solace last night. So we'll work our way back. Bond film. What is, uh, what is the official Film Fever, uh, radio well, the official, review? The, the official Film Fever radio review is, um, we dug it. It was fun. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of, I, I both am, Enjoying and not liking this kind of this new born identity style trend in fights. Right. I mean, they're very hyperkinetic and you feel every punch. But I, I also kind of wish they would just set the camera down and let the scene play instead of constantly moving it around. That is my thing. It was just too much at some points. Like I had to almost look away from the screen because it was just too chaotic. Well, yeah, I mean because some of those fights, though, I mean they're brutal and they look like they and just like destroys everything. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what, just. Set the camera down and let them beat the crap out. I want to see that. And see, and you know that that is another sort of get off my lawn moment where I'm watching, going, ah, this MTV style editing. I found myself again the same thing, wishing they would do long, uncut, unbroken shots of some of those action sequences, um, much like Cronenberg uh, did. And we were talking about Eastern Promises. That I was exactly that fight scene. That camera doesn't move, but Dude. it's brutal. Uh, if you all have not seen this, there's a movie called Eastern Promises. It came out last year. Viggo Mortensen's in it. Mm-hmm. Viggo Mortensen plays a Russian gangster. Uh, and I don't know when it's set. I think it's modern. I think it's relatively modern, maybe like the 80s and 90s. Viggo Mortensen plays a Russian mobster. And there is, I'm not spoiling anything here, one of those brutal fight sequences. And it is, it sounds sort of silly when I describe it, but it's like one of those, you know, those like Russian-style uh, spa rooms, one of yeah. those Russian-style... Um, not, I was going to say bathhouse. Uh, well, that's but what they know, are, though. They're like know, a yeah, Russian bathhouse. They're like a sauna. Yeah. And so it's just a bunch of dudes who are in towels, and then I think at one point end up nude. Oh, yeah. Fighting it out with fists and a knife inside a hard-floored spa. And you're watching it, and it is the most brutal thing ever because they don't cut away. It's not no. flashy. Um, but I was, you know, it's funny. This is a mark of the Bond thing. And, again, I think Daniel Craig did a really great job. But 
while I was watching all these special effects sequences in the Bond film, I found myself thinking, you know what some Rodriguez or Tarantino guy ought to do? They ought to do, they, they ought to create a little boutique studio, a little specialty movie studio. And the gimmick of this studio would be the same gimmick that they used when Jackie Chan brought it was brought over to America. Yeah. Where the, the gimmick of this studio would be, our films use zero CGI, every effect you see is real. Even if it was like a Michael Bay guy who created a little indie studio to do it on the side. Yeah. And the gimmick would be no CGI, all real yeah. action film. You know? I'd absolutely go. Because it's so much more impressive. And yeah. this, I mean, you could tell that the bulk of these fights were practical. I mean, they, right. it was CGI sweetened up, which was what made it so much more annoying that the camera never stopped moving. Just I knew around. these fights were yeah. real. I mean, yeah. this isn't a big surprise. Now I know why this movie killed two stuntmen. I, I didn't do, know that. I do believe I know it had two deaths, and I think they were both stuntmen no. that died oh, making this movie. Oh, that makes wow. kind of dirty. I mean, for yeah. your enjoyment, Sarah, <laughs> how does it feel? And I know this might make some Bond people mad, because I'll go on record saying I'm not the biggest Bond fanatic. Like, I enjoy a good Bond film as mm. I enjoy a good action film. Um, however, I am a big fan of the early Ian Fleming books, and right. to me, Daniel Craig is the best Bond, because he's such a cold-hearted bastard. Well, the early, you know, the Ian Fleming novels are a lot darker oh, yeah. than the sort of popular depiction of Bond, and certainly with, you know, Roger Moore, you know, Sean Connery, who, again, they have their place, but it's, it's a totally different thing than the books, and certainly a different thing than Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you uh, heard Roger Moore raising the whole stink about he did not like this Daniel Craig. He was not funny and whatever. humorous. I'll put that right next to Jack Nicholson complaining about Heath Ledger. <laughs> um, all right, so let's work our way backward from there. A lot of trailers. Um, let's see. Uh, well, the one that we were talking about last night, for good or bad, is The Spirit, which is <sighs> Frank Miller written and directed of the classic Will Eisner comic. Yeah. And I, again, I don't like about comics, but it is one of the archetypal, one of the definitive comics. Is it oh, not? yeah. I mean, Will Eisner, who created The Spirit, he was disassembling and dismantling the superhero genre in the 40s, before anybody else was doing it. He already kind of saw the writing on the wall about superhero, you know, the rules laid down for superheroes, and he was already breaking it apart with his character called The Spirit, who was essentially a cop that was, quote, died and kind of fell off the right. grid, as it were, and became this masked Avenger called The Spirit. Real simple guy. Eisner was working in um, social commentary and satirical commentary and political commentary before anybody even knew what was going on. I mean, I'm, yeah, he's people like to talk about Stan Lee kind of being the the godfather of you know the modern superhero comics. Right. Well, Will Eisner is the god. He is the creator from which all great comic as an art form sprung. And Miller just seemed to take the visuals of his favorite spirit comics and then run them through his terrible Sin City. I wish I was a talented director, and decided. I watched Robert Rodriguez make my Sin City movie. That looks really easy. Well, I'll do the same thing. And and I have to say, again, I you know I really only know what I've read about the Spirit, which is that it is so iconic. But it, the trailer just looks corny. I mean, it makes the movie look really corny, just in terms of the lines and the delivery. And I think the thing that made damn that movie the most, um, Sarah and I were watching it, and when it first came on, I didn't know what it was, and I think Sarah did. We're like, is this a Sin City two? Is this a yeah. Sin City sequel? Yeah. And that may hurt the movie because. You know, because Sin City's one thing, and this is another, and this right. doesn't look to be nearly as good. No, Samuel not at Jackson's all. Samuel character looks a little ridiculous. The octopus. They all look ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, what's sad is that the character of the spirit is the only one that looks semi-close to the original character. But how much did Eva Mendez look like a young, um, what's her name? Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon. She looks exactly I, like her. I adore yeah. Eva Mendez. Yeah. She's, yeah. So, mm. anyway, so, uh, you know, probably so that's not just gonna, gonna that's, yeah, it's gonna be terrible. Every time it's screened, like, at a Comic-Con or a comic convention... Uh, they try really hard to downplay it, but there's there's audible laughter from right. a thing. Because they know. They know that it's going to smell the bad. 
Um, uh, what other trailers were there last night of note? I oh, Roland Emmerich, Back Baby 2012. Oh, okay, see, so I only, that's where Paddock and I were coming in for the, because did we miss it? We <laughs> only, I only saw the, like, 2012. The end. I, I, I don't even know. Oh, the woman. If, if your it's government a, knew about the, the yeah. end of what the world was coming, do you think they'd tell you? It's Ooh, that the government. Was yeah, it's as if the government knew the world was ending. How would they deal with this? You know, the right. six billion people panic. Right. They, they wouldn't. wouldn't. And oh. it shows. It was incredible. The the effect that you see all this water coming over these huge mountain peaks, and there's this monk. It's like a Himalayan about. monk. Yeah. It is messed up. It is like because it's not any of that you know like deep impact crap. It looks real, and it kind of scared me a little bit. Unfortunately, here's the problem. Emmerich knows visuals. <laughs> he just don't know plot, story, acting, directing. Godzilla. <clears throat> 10,000 BC. Remember that one? <laughs> uh, so, good good setup. Bad delivery. All right. What else was there? There was that little Oh, there was movie. the debut of Stood Still. Yeah. Yeah. You guys aren't excited for that? No. no. Oh, I um, am. Not when the... the Here's the thing. It's one thing if you remake a bad or even mediocre film, but The Day That Earth Stood Still is an iconic and probably perfect movie. One of Come these. Come on, Aaron. John Hamm. John Hamm is in it. I know you don't. I and know Jennifer Connelly. John deep, Hamm's in it? The recently yeah. deboobed oh. uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, man. Someone's um, just sucked all the love out of her. The love, you mean? Yeah. The that's love. what I mean. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it, but here, the, the, the thing for me is. I hate to be that guy, because then I'm like every guy in an Ain't It Cool message board who's talking about, like, you know, you know, Hulk gotta eat, but Keanu Reeves raped my childhood. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the day the earth stood still is, I would agree with your assessment, that that movie is flawless. Oh, yeah. The day the earth stood still, thank God Tim didn't see that thing last night. Tim, the day the earth stood still is an iconic sci-fi film from whatever, 50 that years ago. Is ball thing? No, no, and it pretty much no, wraps up the Cold War in every aspect. Yeah, also. it's just you know it, my whole thing is there's a terrible like can we agree there's a lot of movies out there that were okay. Yeah, why don't you remake those and make them good? Well, John Carpenter remade the Thing back in the eighties. People there forget that the Thing is a remake. You know, you know, so whatever. But yeah, why why would you want to remake the Day the Earth Stood yeah. Still? I'm I'm just not with that. Yeah, I mean, there's just no. So it's completely you, different because what I got from it was you know those big. That big ball thing. Which has nothing life. to do with the original. And here's what's funny is they know they've screwed up. Right. So now they're including more and more shots of Gort. Really? Oh, oh yeah. a robot. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. You look like a Cylon. Klaatu, yeah. Verado, Nikto. Come on. Yeah. Come watch our movie. Oh, that, by the way, that's where you know, that's where the phrase Klaatu, Verado, Nikto from Army of Darkness comes from is, uh, is that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. Come back after this. Uh, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. FilmFavoriteRadio.com as well. Uh, like us at 3, Michael Mara Show 7. Stay there. Uh, more ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show. the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-3970. By the way, the video of uh, Roger Klein's appearance on the show, I guess, uh, is going to be up at 970.am here in short order. So, Farrah's got a, she's got a beautiful color to her face. I hate you all. You have a beautiful <laughs> glow about you. Yes. Um, okay, so let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, who, I have to say before we do anything else, 
first and foremost, in addition to the myriad other tasks you perform, busy basically running this joint, um, took time out of your schedule to pick up and then uh, pick up Roger Klein and PH and then actually take them back to the venue. So thank you so much for that, Susan. Well, you're so welcome. Any chance I have to drive that lovely AM970 vehicle, yeah. how can you not? How can you turn that yeah. down? You made his dreams come true, Susan. Yeah, it was uh, quite so, so thank you for that. Well, no problem. Actually, no problem at all. <laughs> so uh, so you, so you uh, were, uh, as I understand it, you were listening or you guys had the station on uh, on on the way uh, back to the venue just right now. post interview yes. and uh, they first of all were saying you know they were really they had a great time in here and most importantly they were impressed that you guys really knew who they were oh, yeah? knew about them and I said hey they don't invite people in that they're not aware of right yeah. I told them that you guys were fans and so they were excited about that because they said a lot of times that's not the case oh no it's yeah. And uh, and then of course uh, we were listening to all your comments about how oh how god cool what were we talking about Ricky were saying you could never be as cool as him true. that he had that sense of style yeah. and Sarah I think you made some comment about his was he listening when I was talking about how hot he was well yeah I think so and he oh, was that's kind of chuckling and oh well well he is did he kind of chuckle go it's true he is a beautiful man anyone <laughs> who has that's eyeballs what you said see. exactly oh, he's god. a beautiful man and yeah. then he chuckled and I'm sure it's not the first time he's been told that that's true. Something tells me there's a star next to your name on the list now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Stop. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they were really cool. Really nice. Yeah. We had a great time. And how? And we were just actually talking about it. We just let the gushing continue. We were talking during the break. Uh, you know, I mean, they get a full show to do tonight and everything. And sometimes, you know, you'll get those guys who are going to perform. And they come into the studio. And, they, you know, they hold it all back because they got to, you know, they'll be on stage. You and that guy was, I mean, he's got a great rock and roll scream. That guy wouldn't hold anything back. I mean, they went all out. And they were doing, like, on Banditos, he was doing that full, and on the second time, he was doing that full-throated rock and roll yell. I never ever, like, seeing him singing Banditos was just oh, dude. so surreal. I'm like, he's, like, the, you know, eight feet away from me, just the, belting it out. Yeah, it's one of the best things that's ever that's ever happened to me. So Thank you for making know. that possible. Oh, hey, thank you for all I your am, help. Susan. I'm thrilled to have done it, and I will say, they were really cool. I mean, uh, yeah, PH actually got in the car first, and he's from Chicago, so we bonded hey. over that. Well, you know what? And Roger, it turns out, Roger used to live about two blocks away from my wife and I's very favorite spot in San Diego, which is actually every time we go to San Diego every year, mm -hmm. the place we stay at is like a block away from where he lived. So we were bonding about that. It's a little tiny, tiny beach community. We were bonding over that. So anyway, so thank very you, fun. Susan. Okay. You are the coolest. Uh, I know we're at the end of the show. I apologize. People on hold, no time to be fair to another caller. As they say, Aaron. Yes. Pimp away. Film Pimp Radio, the new episode will be up tomorrow. And as well, tomorrow we are recording the Star Trek First Common, first Contact commentary. That's going to be about 12 hours of pain for me. Excellent. And if you go to geekinthecity.com right now, the new Watchmen trailer is up, which we were also denied in front of Vaughn. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow, Car and Driver Radio 6 to 9, miles around with Dennis Pittsburgh 9 to 11. And then, of course, uh, their event is happening tomorrow at American Cowgirls, the uh, miles around listener party. We want to thank Roger Klein and P.H. Uh, for coming in today. Uh, we want to thank uh, Dorothy Cossessari from the National Enquirer and Jim Roop from uh, CNN Radio. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Rowling, the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't ever F with me or I will ruin your life in ways you can't even comprehend. Reynolds, Dennis Pitsenbarger as well. Thanks so much. Like us next. Michael Mirror Show at 7. Musicology at 7. Goodbye, Timmy Ryan. I pity the fool who tries to get this down. Come on!